Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Ruthermond. Otherwise known as the Impatient Gamer, I use speedrun strats to avoid basic combat encounters, and I've been training for five months for my run to the Nightmare Headstone. I'm joined by fellow podcast progenitor, the man who is both willing to create a spreadsheet to strategically optimize his approach to virtual battles, and yet compelled to seek out the games that move him. The living embodiment of the robot who learned to love, J.J. Artemis. Hello. And of course, my equal but opposite. He's wielded more virtual blades than a monolith soft protagonist. He plays JRPGs for the story, and by some accounts, he may be the only one among us who actually enjoys playing video games. Andy Kinnick. Hello. And we're joined remotely by the man whose aesthetic lies somewhere between the long arm of the law and the arm from Twin Peaks. He's done more comprehensive due diligence in his five appearances than we have in the other 95 episodes combined. Daniel Otten. Hey there. And the mayor of every virtual town she's ever inhabited. The woman who still hates us for recording over 12 hours on Dark Souls, but never (laughs) even mentioning Dragon Age. Janelle Vickers. Hey guys. And he's last, but certainly three steps ahead. He'll take out the reptile, first of all, and is a, is a guy with a sword who punches things when not in-game. He's the fool's choice and the children's choice, Stephen Otten. Hey. <laughs> and today, we're going to be talking about the Jackbox Party Pack. But first, uh, if you enjoy the content, if you could give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. And the Jackbox Party Pack is developed by Jackbox Games and was released, (laughs) says right here in my official uh, paper about this, Mm -hmm. uh, in 2014 for everything. uh, It's made its way onto everything over time. Yeah. Uh, And that's more or less true. Um, I feel like before we get into it... uh, you know properly mm-hmm. uh we should address the reason for such a long uh and really breathy <laughs> story it's exhausting storied intro uh is that this is in fact our 100th episode and all of our special guests here are uh are, are here to celebrate that uh the choice of this game or these games plural uh came a lot from the fact that we wanted to get everyone together and this is a game that we sort of collectively have all enjoyed over the last several years like since the beginning of this podcast we've been playing these games yeah it matches up about the same time yeah 2014 to 2015 there's like a one year gap Mm -hmm. yeah it's difficult to say how we want to actually begin on this because we these like collections are each within themselves five games apiece, and we're going to talk about the first six of them, and that's thirty whole games, which I think is more than we've ever covered on one episode. Uh- <laughs> we're going at a breakneck pace so far yeah. to get through all <laughs> right. thirty, 30 of them yeah. one at a time. Pokemon would be the only thing that, that would be close, yeah. and even then, we didn't really talk about. Most of them. Mm-hmm. So expect us to not <laughs> again. I came here expecting, like, the hyper lightning round where all six of us would get exactly 20 seconds to, like, summar- summarize their thoughts about each game in just a circle over like, and over With, like, again. a Jeopardy buzzer. Yeah, yes. 
Yeah, I yeah. have thoughts yeah. about the, the games in general, like that would go yeah, along in, in line with what Chad was saying. I just didn't want to hijack it. I was trying to let you guys do do your thing. I am here as a yeah, guest, as it. a guest only. I know I was a guest on the greatest episode of No Clip, the Raspo episode. Um, yes, but you know I don't want to take over. But you talk about the the way the game came out around the same time as you started doing the podcast, like 2014. Um, and for me, that's like it's interesting because that's Jackbox. It kind of lines up with, in my if my memory is correct, that it kind of lines up with when I started being. I feel like more of a part of this group of friends, if that makes sense. Like I know all you guys, I've known all you guys forever. Like, you know, me and Dan are brothers and we grew up obviously like Andrew's our cousin. And I went to high school with Chad and JJ and J- Dan and Janelle been together forever. But like for me, actually like really being a part of the stuff that you guys do as a group, because you've all, you were always like a tight group of friends in high school. And I was a few years older than, than you guys. And so we weren't super close then. But then in college, when Daniel was in college, I feel I was coming back to visit and he was like, invited me to play Jackbox with you guys. I feel like was one of the kind of early things it was before we started playing D&D together. Um, it was obviously like years it was before, before we started, we started doing literally everything together. Yeah, like basically <laughs> yeah. we exist. Probably like a Halloween thing <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I came, I, I was in town for Halloween and or I, it might have been Halloween or something else, but I was in town. I was like, oh, we're going to play this game, Jackbox. Uh, it's like a fun party game. And so I feel like this is kind of foundational for me, like for our whole relationship as friends in, in this like group. Because it then, like, obviously it's not because of Jackbox, but it was like the first thing we did together. And then obviously now we do literally everything together. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was either Halloween or you were dressed or like Snake Plissken for <laughs> another <laughs> reason. Yeah. I wear wigs uh, frequently mm-hmm. and, and put tattoos on my stomach of snakes. It's a thing that I like to do. <laughs> uh, no, and th- that's actually a good point. Like, a lot of the success that this game, these games even, have seen comes from sort of like really nailing the party game atmosphere in a way that most other video game versions of these just like cannot um the first the the first innovation which may not really be like an innovation that i do want to call out is the fact that it does use phones uh as it's like input device you go to a website you punch in a room code and then from there you can interact uh and that's hugely different because one everyone already has access to it it allows them to make their like the player numbers a lot higher and as we have done and presumably will have some sort of like footage of this happening on the youtube version of it Mm -hmm. it allows you to play remotely which is also something you can't really do with a regular console party game yeah it's super accessible like i took this over to my parents house like i can't believe i'd never done it before Mm. like just recently and like you know like my mom isn't like super like tech savvy like you know like she's one of those people that will ask for help doing things on her phone but like she can jump right in and play easily and it's just like one person needs to have the game and these games are very funny in a way that like you feel like you're participating in it even if you're not super funny yourself you know like you get it they're very inclusive and approachable i'm good to hear i'm glad to hear that perspective as somebody who is super is funny, super funny <laughs> yeah. and smart uh chad rutherman <laughs> 
Well, actually, that's an interesting. interesting thing that you say. Like, they are approachable and fun to play kind of with anybody. I've, I've tried to bring... I've had the experience of bringing Jackbox to, like, new groups of people who have never played before. Some of my friends um, that I hope don't listen to this episode uh, because I'm about to <laughs> shit on them. Uh, and, <laughs> like... Get fucked. Yeah. yeah get real. It's... It's obviously like we love. I love playing with you guys. We have a great time playing a lot of the games, like in in the Jack various different Jackbox party packs. And I feel like in some ways it's like a mistake for me to bring it to a new audience who doesn't play it frequently and isn't as quick as as like you know like like we. I don't want to say we are because that feels like I'm just like blowing up my own ego. But like I feel like most <laughs> hey, of us. We've like, already as, established this is a navel gazy episode. Yeah. So. We're, okay, <laughs> let's just yeah. So bring it on. Anybody who's listening agrees that we're all hilarious. And so we're, Obviously. and like just so fast sometimes with jokes and, and it, especially with games like Quiplash, like it's, I'm used to playing with people who are really quick and funny and know how to do it. And it's like when you take it, I know Andrew's experience with his parents might be different, but my experience bringing this to people who don't play it, who have never played before and aren't like super comfortable with improv or role playing like type things like we are. I feel like they're they can be a little bit slower to make the funny jokes that make a lot of these games a good time. Like many of these games rely on the players being really fun, like funny and engaging, and otherwise it's just like oh like t-shirt. I'm just gonna draw a circle. I suck at drawing, so here's a stick person. Like, and it can kind of suck. So I've had a weird. I guess I've had an interesting relationship with it where if you bring it to a group of people, the wrong group of people maybe it's not as it's not as much fun because you're not bringing that right energy to it like if you bring that big improv podcast D D energy that <laughs> that you guys bring to a, anything you do like it's gonna be fun well but i yeah, think we I think, also uh, you, a, you can go ahead as a group we also kind of shift the way that the games operate for our group dynamic so for example when we're playing uh, what's the one? Not quick Ush. Why well, I always forget the name of it. Fibbage? Fibbage. Where it's not meant to necessarily be the goofiest or the funniest answer that wins. It's it's supposed to be metagaming where you're able to trick each other into choosing a answer that is actually incorrect. So we can do that, and I think we're successful at it because we've all known each other for so long that we can input a lie that will trick some of the other people. But then, of course, we play Fibbage the Thumbs Cup way because we all want to be goofy and put in goofy lies. And then we're rewarding each other, not for tricking each other with the fake truth, quote unquote, but because we're able to be like that kind of quick wit dynamic that we have as a group. So I think there is a certain level of customizability and a certain level where you can pick your group's dynamic going into a game. And if it's not a really comedy-heavy group or more of a improv type group, I think that there are other games that are more suitable in that way. So, like, if you're playing just straight fibbage, it's not about who's the funniest. It's about who can come up with the most convincing lie. So I think that that might be a more accessible game. Whereas something like a Quiplash, you definitely have to sort of know your group dynamic and know the audience and know that people are going to be comfortable enough to sort of put themselves out there and make the funny joke. 
Yeah, at, at the risk of this becoming the Quiplash and Fibbage podcast, uh, it it is pretty apparent as we go on that like those are two like really standout games. But I want to posit that I think that uh, Quiplash as a game was created because of Thumbs Cup, like the way that we decided to start playing fibbage yeah because at the end of fibbage it has a little thing while like the credits go by mm. that it's like it says thumbs cup it's got a trophy and it says the person who got the most thumbs up and so we just turned that into our own rule set where like everyone just tries to say the funniest thing right and i know that we are not unique in that yeah and i feel like somebody had that experience where they were playing the game and they enjoyed it and they thought like, I love when somebody can't come up with an answer and just puts in something that's ridiculous. I think that Quiplash fails to emulate this in a way that, like, the Thumbs Cup rule for Fibbage is still relevant. Because Quiplash doesn't give you the backstory of the question. Like, the hallmark element of a Fibbage question is that there is a lot of surrounding detail so that you can make your lie tailored to parts of it so that it becomes more believable whereas in quiplash it's just like oh justin bieber was seen doing blank and then you're like oh i don't know pooping and then you just hope that everybody finds that funny and it's just it's a lot harder to come up with something that is like genuinely like related and good yeah there's more of there's like an extra layer if mm -hmm. when you do it in fibbage like that burrito that justin bieber ate yeah that made him poop got him (laughs) yeah anyway i think quiplash like i don't know i have a very hot cold relationship with quiplash because i do think it can be very fun um the final round is like horribly designed i we i talk about this every time we play it but like they the, the style of like the question that they ask is like set up so that no one can say anything funny but <laughs> as you were describing the difference between thumbs cup fibbage and quiplash it occurred to me that like quiplash is not that far away from like cards against humanity in like the setup right. and delivery and i think that's basically what you're describing like it's a very like quick reaction like shock value type humor if you are able to be funny in quiplash because it's like a short sentence and then a punctuation mark as opposed to Fibbage that like has the detail. So I think that like on balance, Fibbage has a much higher ceiling for being funnier for that reason. Whereas Quiplash is yeah, just they're... like at best y- you laugh at how ridiculous it is, but it's because it like was a shock value thing. Yeah. In Quiplash, it's just two different answers pitted against each other. So I think that's, like, you, you get in a more competitive mindset. You're just like, I just need to say the funnier thing that's super funny, right. and, like, so people will pick it. That's why I say Fibbage. Helen Keller every time on Quiplash. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny every time. <laughs> but but with Fibbage, it's, like, like six answers. So, like, you want to, like, make your answer unique from a crowd. So you want to be more clever, I think. Yeah, and I, I think the same thing that I said earlier about, like, the, if you play with, the you know, a crowd that's not as quick and witty um you end up in the same issue problem that you do playing cards against humanity with those people which is my least favorite experience in the entire world <laughs> i was um, really just baiting steven by bringing I know. up cards I, against as humanity. soon as you said cards against humanity, i was like well this is for me but like <laughs> it is genuinely like the worst game that's yes. ever yeah, it's quite bad game. we all agree yeah it's garbage it, and it, it's it's just that it's fun like one time yeah. basically 
It's like if you played Cards Against Humanity, if we played Cards Against Humanity, I bet we could kind of have some fun and and that people would like pick answers that made relevant sense as cards put together. But your typical Cards Against Humanity is who has the card that says pissing on Hitler's face or like some <laughs> like oh a gross butthole. Like whatever the these these are all comedy gold. These good, <laughs> these good cards that are and he just cannot contain himself. <laughs> like like oh this I'm big, just here for a good time. Yeah, this boner is is hilarious. Like whatever <laughs> the way to win Cards Against Humanity is to just have the card that says boner on it, and everybody think it's hilarious because it's gross and weird. Like so many good episodes. I really love that already. contract. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just full of that like, gold but like quiplash can be like that for sure uh but again like only if you play with the wrong group if you play with if you play with people who aren't aren't able to come up with a clever answer they'll just throw out some gross shock value bullshit and it's not gonna be actually funny um so i think quiplash obviously can be really good if you're playing with the right people but it really exemplifies that thing of it's got to be the right audience and Cards Against Humanity, in comparison to a lot of these complete open-ended question games, like, you're correct in that the structure of the design means that you have a limited number of answers that are provided to you in advance, which caps the ceiling of how funny anything can be comparatively very low. But I think part of the reason that those games are so popular is because they also raise the floor to the level of pissing on Hitler's face, which <laughs> should be a card. Still funny. Not, I guess. Still funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Give Steven a check. Uh, cards Against Humanity. Come on. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that that one wasn't real. I've not played it enough to know. It Maybe. could be. Yeah. But like, so, so that's the kind of variance that we're we have to talk about, not just in comparison to this game with Cards Against Humanity, but between all of these different Jackbox party games, is that the more rails that you put on, the oftentimes slightly more accessible the individual games can be for someone if they don't feel pressured to be the funniest person right at that moment. But the more freeform that uh, the more freeform any of the responses are allowed to be or the more complex context that you add to the question, like in Fibbage, it also allows the ceiling to be a lot higher in a lot more tightly knit groups. That's a trade-off that I think, like, yes, with all of us, we should obviously play Fibbage every single time, but there's a reason why so many office parties, when you, you know, get together with people who are like, oh, I'm the rowdy one, chooses something <laughs> way closer. That's, to that's you and that's JJ, by the way. <laughs> you're the rabbit one i am yes thank you but you do miss that that uh floor sometimes is though like even in quiplash yeah. sometimes you just don't have it or like the prompt is just not <laughs> oh, yeah. not jiving this happens to me i feel like more than anyone maybe that's just my perception yeah. but when we play quiplash yeah, I, but like I, I it sucks when like i have to sign my name to this as like here's something i thought was funny <laughs> And, like, 100%. you just can't put... It's like, you just know it's bad. Uh, that's a pretty <laughs> shitty feeling. <laughs> yeah. Just to preempt the no-clip... The on and no-clip, no-clip pocket pocket that we're doing <laughs> right now about Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> uh, it's just not very good. It's it's a lot of, yeah. of dumb humor, and nobody plays it correctly. Apples to apples is just better. Yeah. That's true, but I also think... Um, you run into the problem of you have a finite amount of cards, mm. which is something that these party packs remedy because there's fibbage, 
Fibbage 2 and Fibbage 3. Yeah. So if like you know all the questions <laughs> in Fibbage 1 or you're starting to recognize them, you can switch to 2 and to 3. In case anyone in the audience had doubts of how often we have played the Fibbage games, we have just gotten used to some of the questions yeah, I was in the first yeah, two games. Yeah. As I mentioned, I was playing with my parents uh, recently, and there were like two questions that like I was like, oh, I remember this one. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get it right and act like I was super smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classy uh, move by you, Andrew. Uh-huh, it is, yeah. yeah. You know, you got to take what you can get. In, in this in this short, short, <laughs> terrible life that we all live. So did you pretend that you guessed it correctly randomly, or did you, like, oh, really I... screw it in and was like, oh, I, I learned about this in AP oh, no, US No, I, I was just kind of like, yeah, I did. You know, like, you know, like showboating, like regular, like, yeah, suck it. But I didn't say that because I was at my parents' house, but you know. You don't tell your parents to suck it? No, I don't. <laughs> oh. That's not the kind of relationship we have, <laughs> I'm not trying to diminish the value of your relationship. I, just, I tell my dad to suck it all the time, and I just wanted to... I like exploring the possibility space of possible familial relationships. <laughs> Interesting to me. But, I mean, I guess. I feel like we of, should start our own spin off con. Kind of pivoting from that. Yeah, pivot from this dark path yeah. that we're about to go down. <laughs> Casually. This dark, possibly I- illegal path. Um, but what I was going to say is that it's not, even though we clearly are latching on to the games that are focused more on, like, inter group dynamics with either comedy or like one-upsmanship where we think we can kind of pull the wool over each other's eyes uh, because of how well we know each other like i like that there is more diversity it's not just a bunch of comedy games so there are strategy games the um oh uh, the vidiots the one where we all made the art and right. on each other like there's a certain level of strategy to that of knowing if someone else is overbid or knowing that they had to take out a loan and they give you that like (laughs) screw where you have to pick someone else and force them to bid on something when you know that it's only worth right like a four hundred dollar if you're wondering who took out a loan it was steven (laughs) at every available opportunity to take a loan no one else took it (laughs) he hit his credit limit pretty hard but and then that is classic Steven. And then there's the monster seeking monster, where everyone has their own secret agenda, and you're trying to figure out what everyone else's agenda is, and not feed into that while also furthering your own aims. So you know there's there's those strategy. There's more of the kind of cloak and dagger style party game. There's um, a lot of art based games which can lean more comedy, but can also lean uh, just regular, everyone has fat fingers and is trying to produce something on a phone, which is fun kind of uh, endearing to do as a group because no one is going to be good at it. Um, So I I like that it does kind of depend on the group or what the mood is, and you can have like a different experience depending on what games you want to play oh and then the trivia games of course how could i forget <laughs> as the official you're the reigning uh, yeah trivia murder party champion janelle vick oh yeah so yeah so i like that aspect of it too where even if we get tired of fibbage we can deviate and play some other games and maybe return to it again at the end of the night tired of fibbage it happens believe <laughs> me. I, I, yeah there was a time where we were playing a lot that we got kind of tired of it 
we can get there. But that seems like more our problem than the game's problem. Mm-hmm. But either way, yeah, I'm, I'm super sympathetic to that, Janelle. Like, there's... I, I really wish that I could have been, like, a, a fly on the wall in a lot of the design meetings for the later iterations of these games. Because the kind of design questions that you hit when trying to build a party game like this compared to, you know, the more conventional kind of video game structures that we talk about here are so different. You're not necessarily building one curated experience or even in like a, a multiplayer game i guess in that sense it's actually a little bit closer to like something like an mmo in terms of goals in that way because <laughs> what you're creating when you're creating a party game is a possibility of space that you have to rely on your players to build like you're creating a space in which they create the thing that's supposed to be entertaining about the game and you have you know a, a relative amount of different choices of how many training wheels you want to put on how much you want to allow them to deviate from the path uh, and thereby thereby increase the variance and how enjoyable or not enjoyable the experience might be. It's not the kind of question that you're usually faced with when you're having to author content like that. And not to mention that it's going to be packed in with four other games, which may or may not be similar in some way. So you have to be able to produce something that, because my assumption, and I don't know this is true, this is based on the fact that they've released several games as standalones, that they create each game and then actually will collect them. And so there will be some things that are made specifically for the pack and other things that are being made and then incorporated into it. And yeah, like I, I can imagine like coming up with something and taking all of that into consideration and then also have to be like, why would somebody pick this over a different thing? Like, what's the differentiating factor? Yeah, to me, and this might just be my own tastes and perception, but it always seems like each pack has two heavy hitters, like standalone mm-hmm. uh, games, and the uh, everything else kind of feels like, let's throw something at the wall and see, like, what sticks. Word spud. Yeah, I was going like, to say, just throw in a... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just throw in a weird thing that will be, like, three people's favorite game in the pack. Three people total, not like... Yeah, yeah, three yeah. people ever. I want to meet the guy who was real into Wordspud. A, we had fun. It's a weird... I was like, yeah, Wordspud was good. We're not shitting on Wordspud. I'm, I'm yeah. shitting on Wordspud. I can't I even remember which one. I it right word, either word time. Wordspud was the one where you added a word or a phrase, and then the next person had uh, to continue. It took to us two time. times to figure out what we were supposed to actually do. Yeah, I, we ended up even with that. I don't know if we really figured out what we were supposed to do. Like, neither way seemed like it was the correct way, necessarily. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know if we if it warrants an explanation, but like the way that we're yeah, JJ's works, probably never played it. I don't know. I've I've you played it like once. I was there uh, one time we were together and we were confused by it and left it behind quickly. That makes yeah. sense. Because in a party <laughs> atmosphere, you have no patience for for games that don't explain themselves to you immediately and intuitively because every moment of reading the words is one less minute you get it's, to party. It's the treaty exactly. virus all over again. <laughs> I mean, because that that's the problem, is that it's either the explanation was too long or not good enough, because in the end, it felt like a Mad Lib, but all of the, all of the preset text wasn't there. It just gives you one word to start on, and then you just have to like make shit up from that point on. It almost seems like they were watching Whose Line... And they were like one word story. Let's like make that a game, but then right. not tell them that's what the idea we're going with. It's true. 
I have a challenge for all of you that I feel like can get us into some interesting philosophical depths. Okay. Is it is it morally right to name the 100th episode of the podcast Funny Boner? Because <laughs> that's what I've been sort of like struggling with for the last 20 minutes. It's more of an ethical thing that I do not want to touch on yet. Just, just, I want to narrow in specifically. I want to see if you guys can explain to me, uh, strange robot-like person, why trivia is fun. Oh yeah, you don't like trivia. I've never liked trivia in any form. The the what's the murder murder trivia house? murder party? Trivia murder party. It's amusing because of the window dressing. It's a funny thing to watch play out. I've never liked it in the way that you guys like it, <laughs> but I fully accept that this is me not somehow grasping this like central feature of human culture for hundreds of years. Uh, I, I think it's a person who remembers things kind of game. <laughs> Oh, oh, is that? Put that on the back. Yeah, of I, it's it's satisfying <laughs> to be able to like recall like facts from the just the well of useless knowledge you have collected in your brain. Okay, this is actually a more interesting take than I expected because I don't agree with because like, I'm not super good well, at trivia. Either, I feel like Andy really is describing it. how to play trivia, not why it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why it's fun. Like it's satisfying. Like when a question comes up and you know the answer, it's like a like an endorphin rush. Like oh, I know that. Yeah, I agree with that. If that's what you're saying, like I honestly yeah, think it's, is, yeah. I think it's as simple as like it feels good to feel like you are the kind of person who knows the answer. Like I don't know. Yeah. I if I'd love to hear an alternative explanation because like <laughs> otherwise, like the the game is like inherently a little ridiculous. Um, but what? No, 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 no. See, okay. I'm going to provide the alternative explanation. <laughs> okay. Then, right. then you can rebuke. The reason that trivia is fun is because there are other people, and you want to be smarter and therefore better than they are. <laughs> like trivia murder party is good because it has literal standings that at the end you get to like race to the finish by answering questions, like. The act of a answering questions to me is not like the most enjoyable uh, thing in the world. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. But winning is. You see, yeah, I'm of an opposite <laughs> mind on that. Because <laughs> yeah, like the the competitive nature of it is not what I like about trivia. So would you enjoy watching? Oh, Janelle had her hand up, by the way. Oh no, she was oh, just establishing that. No, 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 it's. I mean, yeah. I literally was just crowned the reigning champion mm -hmm. of trivia. Mm -hmm. No one wants my my take. And I also, do. I feel very attacked, because apparently I'm a narcissist who likes <laughs> to watch other people <laughs> fail. Um, but for me, I, I enjoy the acquisition of knowledge, for knowledge's sake. Like, I'm listening to a podcast, or an uh, audiobook, about the um, Plantagenet royal dynasty, one of the first ruling families of England, and it's like, where the fuck am I ever going to use that knowledge? No one wants to hear me talk about it but mm -hmm. trivia is a way for me to kind of apply the things that I've used other than just learning things because I like learning them. Um, there is actually an application for that, even if it is something as silly as a game that we all play when we get together and that I enjoy. So it's it's less, it's less for me of the winning and the more the knowledge that something that I have acquired, I am then able to use in another form or fashion. 
but surely it can't be all retroactive knowledge right are you saying that like the, the fun of trivia is when you when the question ends and you get to see the actual right answer yes. right or wrong is that, that the too. moment when you're yes. like oh that's cool okay i also right. yeah because part of it is also a learning thing so there are times when i don't know the answer but i'm actually very curious to know the correct answer you guys uh know the scene in Groundhog Day, the greatest movie ever made, um, mm-hmm. where Bill Murray is, like, just, like, getting hammered and watching Jeopardy for, like, presumably the 10,000th <laughs> time, and he's just, like... And saying all the answers. Like, absentmindedly, like, saying all the correct answers, and everyone is like, look at this fucking genius. I feel like that is, like, the purest distillation of, like, <laughs> for, for people for whom trivia is fun, like, that's their... That is the ultimate wish fulfillment. Is like, I, I like I'm a just a casual genius, and everyone recognizes how smart I am. And like I know that sounds I like think, a read, but like uh, I, no, literally this like whole thing feels per- like a read. I might have to <laughs> yeah. just jump out. And of I that. like trivia, so I'm not like. And he also <laughs> likes me. I think. I really yeah, I like Groundhog like the- Day. Yeah, I think that's like the perfect representation, actually, because I think that encompasses all of what we've said like you get to feel smart and like you're the best like a casual genius (laughs) and you get to like you get that satisfaction of like being able to know a thing and like impress people like yeah i think that's actually a really good example yeah because clearly the only reason bill murray said those things in character at that moment in the film was to dunk on all the old people that he was drunk around (laughs) like there's no other reason for him (laughs) to say it aloud other than Oh, he's trying to entertain himself because he's lived the same day like 8,000 times. That's why he watched Jeopardy 10,000 times. The time that he watched Jeopardy in a public space was to dunk on the elderly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think Daniel really definitely nailed it with that. I mean, do you guys, when you're watching Jeopardy as a trivia game, like, assuming you have ever watched Jeopardy, like, in your house, when do you say the answers out loud when you know the answers? Because I totally do. And like one hundred percent, and I feel like an awesome genius when I get it right. Yeah, but see, I don't, I don't, I don't do it to dunk on anyone or to feel superior to anyone because there's no one around to be superior. Janelle only does it if there's an old person around. Yeah, Yeah, you know I I hate the elderly. I do it to feel superior to like the competitors if I answer before them. I mean, like I, I think I'm down with feeling like yeah, I'm on the trivia. I'm on the side of trivia is fun. That is the. I want to be smarter than everybody and show it to them in their face. Like, I mean, I, I knew that you'd be on the same I know that surprises on that. no one on this particular call, <laughs> but that is that is my take on why trivia is fun. Is we're all really casting answers. ourselves in a very, very favorable light in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think like in, like feeling like you've impressed the other people by saying the right answer is different than uh, feeling superior to them. Can it be both? It could, yes, it can very it well can. Yes. Can. Okay, Janelle, hypothetical for you specifically. Mm-hmm. Would you watch a version of Jeopardy that had no people on it and was literally just like the slides that they use in Jeopardy with the question and then the answer on it, just kind yes. of cycling one after the other? Yes. That's called school. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a really free form slap shot school, but it is just that's teaching. Called, is it that's, that's called a textbook. <laughs> yeah, like. I like all of those a really things. directionless textbook. I, in contrast, it is a very directioned textbook. It's a textbook with one exact direction, one after the other. 
it's true. Very yeah. prescribed. And categories, presumably. Oh, yeah, it could yeah. be categories, too. Potent potables. I love the Jada. potent potables category. Why do you dislike trivia? Because I feel like I have no agency over the process of trivia. I Like, in most games, to some extent or another, I feel like, in a way that's It's because you can't dodge if I can't get, actually, it's not that's not that far off base with this. Uh, if only I could dodge around the questions. Correct. <laughs> it still get the points. The kind of things that I do for fun and entertainment, and you guys can call me out on this if you remember examples otherwise, are things where, like almost like a form of exercise, there's some kind of exertion component where, like, I feel like if I try hard enough, I can get better at the thing in the moment. So in the same way that when, you know, you're playing Dark Souls, the best video game, uh, you can <laughs> get it. better. Each individual moment is full of discrete choices that you can improve upon. In comparison to trivia, where I feel like the consequence of whether or not I will answer the question correctly, every time a discrete question comes up, has nothing to do with me. It could have had a lot to do with what I did in the past if I was like an intense trivia person, but because the whole concept of trivia precludes the idea of you knowing the category before you actually get there to talk about it, like 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 it would, it would be unfair if people had that kind of prior information in the first place, it, it feels like it's always a dice roll, whether in the past or in the present. It's either a dice roll in the past where you have to choose what you're researching or a dice roll in the present where you don't get to pick anything about what comes up and you only in a binary fashion know the answer or don't or randomly pick it. Like, it feels like I'm not doing anything. It feels like I'm playing out a script based on nodes of information in my mind. And it makes it not feel like a game to me. I, I think actually we can uh, spin that back into talking about the Jackbox Party Pack. <laughs> because we brought this all up in context of Trivia Murder Party, which if you listen to the podcast for any length of time, you know that at least several of us have a certain proclivity for horror and like that set dressing makes it enjoyable and it's this sort of like tongue-in-cheek stuff and like there's this element of like characters dying so that at the end you can do this thing where ghosts try to steal your body it makes a lot more sense if you played the game mm -hmm. that is not the only trivia game on the jackbox party pack but it's the only one we play because the alternative is a game called you don't know jack the naming game of the whole like collection. Yeah. In, Fibbage is kind of trivia as well. It's but it's trivia that it, the game explicitly expects you not, not to, to know, know the answers. Yeah. But just saying, I think that Jackbox sucks. No, Jack, <laughs> you don't know Jack sucks. Hot take. <laughs> I think this game sucks. Next time, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that 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 you don't know Jack is bad because. The game is based on the, like, Buffalo Wild Wings trivia system, where uh, the more time you spend answering the question, the less points you get for it. And because of that, you end up with a situation where often, if you are unsure about a question, it is better not to think about it at all and just go with whatever your gut says, which I feel like takes away from, like, the idea of what trivia even is. It's just like word association. And I don't know. It makes it less satisfying because it doesn't really say that you knew anything and I could just as easily guess as I could get it right if I'm not allowed time well, to like assure myself of the correct answer. Well, that's what I was going to say, kind of back to JJ's point, is that there can be a certain level of 
a skill that you develop in doing trivia. If you're given choices, then you can logic your way to the answer, even if you didn't know the answer ahead of time, but you're able to do process of elimination, um, which is a kind of a skill you can hone and get better at and use. Um, and then also, in, in kind of the opposite of that, uh, uh, you don't know Jack format, where it's timed and you just take a wild guess and probably will be better off than if you did take the time to logic it, doesn't help with that kind of thing. Like, that kind of trivia very much is what JJ was talking about, where I do think that if you do have time to discuss or to think about it, you can logic your way to the answer, even if you didn't have that foreknowledge about that specific topic or that specific idea. All right, I've got a hot take in, in response to that discussion then. I think that version of trivia that you're describing, the trivia where time is does not have an increased point value and you're given as much time as you want to consider the answers, I think in that case, trivia is strictly worse than riddles. <laughs> No, no, I think that is a hot take. Hey, I don't want to breeze past the spiciness yeah. of that take. I mean, I riddles think are good. You're right. That's my take. In your description of trivia, uh, but like to me, I think that trivia is almost kind of like you're right. You don't do anything in the moment. There's nothing in the moment you can really do unless, like Janelle says, you have choices and you can kind of logic your way to the right answer. Uh, if you're clever about it. But um, you don't really have choices in the moment if you don't have multiple choice. Uh, it, it's kind of like a culmination of like your life experiences and knowledge up to that point. It's like your agency in trivia is all taking place outside of the trivia. It's like all the stuff you've accumulated in like your well, your brain, your well of knowledge. Life is training for trivia. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, and it's like trivia is like a kind of thing uh, where you get to like test what you know in like a, like a really general sense. And like, maybe you'll get lucky and they'll ask about stuff that you know about and then you get to feel really awesome. Like it, you have to be like, if Have you be seen Slumdog really... Millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just keep thinking, like, trivia is, like, the liberation rights of human beings. Uh. Like, when you, no, people don't know this, but after you die, your afterlife situation is determined By what on you how well in you reality, do yeah. in trivia. <laughs> But uh, and like, oh man, I know I'm not getting into sports heaven. I always <laughs> fuck this up. But yeah, like to be somebody that like really is really good at trivia and like loves it, and like somebody that be on Jeopardy, you do have to devote a lot of time to it. But like I think to the average person, the like of trivia is way more casual and like you know like case by case, like how much fun you have at it. Okay, so I, here is a dumb follow up question then. Is how if you're gonna be the person who trains at Jeopardy, mm -hmm. I am. I did. Good to know. He, he bought all the books. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I genuinely, I did. What? I I okay. tried out for Jeopardy. Oh, well, yeah. it speaks. By by, how do you decide what to research? Is there like a category of questions that is generally understood as trivia questions? Yeah. It seems like 
there's just like the sum total of all human knowledge out there. Yeah, it's yeah, vast and intimidating. <laughs> the encyclopedia the encyc- of infinite knowledge. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Correct. And I I have no idea how you select what you begin to understand for the purposes of truly generalized trivia. Well, how did, how did you do it, Janelle? Well, there's, there's going to be classic literature, um, American and English, for sure. There's okay. usually, well, there's going to be pop culture of some kind. Sometimes there'll be like a decade specific or maybe a more modern one. Um, music is just good to know, broad strokes. Um, potent potables is always a possibility. That is a recurring uh, category. It's usually some dumb wordplay category. Like, there's always a word, like, so you category. have to, yeah, you know that there's going to be something coming where they, it's going to be two words that answer the question that both begin with the letter C. And so they're going to give you this kind of obtuse question that in the moment you didn't no going in necessarily but you have to know that the answer is cheshire cheese or whatever by figuring it it out on the fly it seems pretty bougie seems like a pretty bougie social construct (laughs) that we've developed as the as the boundaries to uh what what constitutes if if you're (laughs) suggesting that jeopardy is like a little stuffy and elitist i think that's outrageous It is. I think that's your that's your hottest take of the evening. I think we, as the proletariat, need to overthrow Alex Trebek and create our own trivia. Our new trivia, where I love this. All the questions uh, are really easy, and you get them all right. Yeah, everyone wins. Uh, hashtag Cookie Masterson replace Alex Trebek. Mm. Well, you know, there are definitely difficult, non-bougie trivia questions, and I love the, the idea that now that we've identified, you this, could have like some obscure type... Cardi B trivia, I guess. <laughs> Correct. Yes, you you could pick. I mean, very it, obscure. All Cardi B trivia is obscure to me, so. This is the fundamental question that I always have with trivia. Yeah. But yeah, you can, so to, you can create a version of trivia that's very, very obscure in, about topics that are not traditional trivia topics. Well, to bring it back to, like, the game, uh, and put, <laughs> maybe put a cap on trivia as a thing, like, what does Trivia Murder... We're ending trivia. What does Trivia Murder Party do with trivia that's unique, that makes it a better party game than just uh, playing Trivia Pursuit? Because I think if you walked into a room at an average, like, I don't know, office party or just, like, adults hanging out, drinking something, and, ha- it, like, you and you were like, oh, let's play Trivia Pursuit, most people would be like, fuck that, I hate Trivia Pursuit, <laughs> it's way, it's way too hard, nobody knows these answers, and if you do, you're an asshole and I hate you, it's probably gonna be your, <laughs> the answer you're gonna get, uh, but I, Trivia Murder Party, yes. it what does it do or at least try to do to make itself more like accessible i think a lot of it's the presentation um each round you have the potential to get killed uh if you get the question wrong and it will often pit you against each other in these little like mini games or like head games with the player like put the poison on the chalice and then one person has to drink out of one of them or like cut off a finger and then whichever number one through four it corresponds to, you can't answer that question anymore. It it and answer math questions like it's just like these random little games that you play um, in between rounds. I think add a lot. Uh, the yeah, and the theming as I was getting at like of the murder party aspect where like the players die as it goes along. Like it raises the stakes. 
and uh, it, it makes the game shorter on average uh, than, like, you know, just playing Trivial Pursuit. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of weight is put on that presentation, and I do think overall the trivia is a little bit more, like, stuff the average person would know without being too dumbed down. Like, it, it just, I think it strikes a really good balance. And presumably the reason the presentation is valuable is, at least from my perspective, because it's also kind of making fun of the Trivial Pursuit-esque normal context of trivia, where... A little bit. Immediate discussion of murder and dismemberment as, like, part of the trivia activity has, like, a, a, a humorous yeah, like, contrast. I'm so there. elitist that if I know the answer, I'll murder you for not knowing it. <laughs> I, I can actually, in in my mind, it seems like a natural progression, right? Because, like, you imagine... When you imagine... The people who let's not say play Trivial Pursuit because everybody has like played a Trivial Pursuit. I have never played Trivial Pursuit. <sighs> I well, feel like right, we'll I only have like point. maybe once. Either way, imagine instead, dear listener, the people who invented Trivial Pursuit, <laughs> and what you're imagining, I'm sure, is people in like <laughs> aristocratic, big, yeah, big fireplace <laughs> in the background. Everybody's wearing like smoking jackets and smoking a pipe. Has some expensive champagne. The coolest kind of shelves. The coolest people. <laughs> those people are also those murderers. They're murderers. <laughs> no, the, of the lower class. Uh, start a revolution. Uh, <laughs> this guy's got to stop. Uh, <laughs> for for the the people who aren't viewing this video, Daniel just put on his smoking jacket. Yes. In front of his bookshelf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, those same people are also the people who popularized the murder mystery genre. Murder Mystery Party is not a, a game in which you're trying to figure out who done it. It's oh, no. clear. He comes out right at the beginning <laughs> and says, I'm the, going to kill you. It's the aesthetics of it. Yeah, you know. It, <laughs> no, it, it, it's not. I mean, it's the... <laughs> Yeah, the you guys are the chalice like, and all that. This, shit. It's, it's not like, like masterpiece theater. It's like the Poughkeepsie taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like some. It's like it's, a basement full of blood. I mean, it's, it's borrowing the idea of murder. Yes, from Kane. Like, I was like, making a joke it's the draw, whole time. I, I think it's draw. I think you're right. Though. I think yeah. it draws a line between the two things. It's not like direct. Yeah, it's like but a like those pursuit. The two things go together because of right. If uh, and, in in a similar manner, like you know, the tri like Trivial Pursuit is way too hard. I think for the majority of people, and Trivial Murder Party is more in line with people who would watch schlocky stabby found footage horror movies like us mm -hmm. so, yeah, i think one thing we can all agree on is that chad and andy's comparison is wrong and the second <laughs> point i want to make is that i andy said the the mini the interstitial mini games were a big part of what makes it better than just like stock standard trivia i think that's 100 percent right and the like magic trick that trivia marty party does is it it comes up with a mechanic set that makes you root for the other players not to like necessarily do better than you but to still like succeed in the game because if everybody dies then the game ends like you have to get to a certain progress to a certain point in the game where if everyone but one person dies you'll still like progress to the end game where you all get to race and because in the in the final part of the game, every player has a chance to win still, even if you're way behind because you didn't perform well during the game. 
like that's a reason to want the other players to like succeed on some level. So like I I think that's a really good part of its design. Uh, I think it really sucks when the game just ends outright. Like uh, that stinks and is no fun. Um, so it's not like a perfect design, but it is really interesting that it like in a zero sum game they found a way to like have other players not want all of the other competitors to just fail at the game. Yeah, and in the race to the finish part, there's you have to answer three questions each round, so there's like a margin for error. Like you don't have to know all the answers, and you can still win. So I think that also adds to it. Mm-hmm. But Janelle, even if Janelle just wins really every time, yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, but Janelle always wins. So uh, I'm do we sorry that talk I'm just more? like so you only have full to know so... and better than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> you you only have to know a certain subset of information in order to finish in second place. Yeah. Do we want to talk more about aesthetics and presentation in the various Jackbox Party Pack games? After the break. Oh, is it, oh, is it that time already? We've been going for like an hour. After the break. <laughs> I thought that was a clear alley oop. Daniel picked up on I it. I also picked up on it. That was you really just slapped fired that basketball the basketball right down on the floor. <laughs> that, that basketball hit you in the face. There it is. It's yeah, a yeah, flag, flagrant foul. <laughs> a fragrant foul? It's a fragrant foul. Yeah, it stinks. You get to do a, a penalty kick, right? And, yeah, uh, in basketball. You yes. kick them in the shins, the most vulnerable part of a basketball player. <laughs> player kick where you just pick the guy you don't like and just kick him in the face you're, d- you're definitely not getting into sports heaven because you're 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 really sinning uh at knowing basketball knowledge while the nba yeah. finals are being played as we speak oh wow join us next april 1st for our episode on basketball on one day please yeah it started it tipped off six minutes ago yeah. Well, yeah. Dude, can can that be the thing that we do after we all get swole on Ring Fit Adventure? <laughs> play basketball. <laughs> play basketball. Just, like seamlessly transition. Be normal into people. A sport. <laughs> the, the, the episode on basketball should just be us playing basketball. Like get some GoPros. You just want to eat basketball. We just set up. We just set up a camera like off on the side of the court, and then we it's just a video of us playing basketball. <laughs> Is that a thing people do who play basketball? Do they have like, do they put GoPros on their heads? After the break. (laughs) Welcome back. We have talked about trivia. Yeah, mostly. (laughs) And also. Some of the ideas behind the designs of the games and them being used as a, like, social construct before. Where do we want to go from here? Uh, because there are a number of games we haven't talked about yet. I think standouts in my mind include any of them that involve drawing. I think that's kind of a deep well that we could yep. mine still. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, like, the presentation of all the games. Mm. A lot of them have, like, a defined host. A lot of them have, like, their own catchy music that plays, like, in interludes uh, that we all know. Uh, and, um, yeah, there's, like, a personality and an aesthetic, like, uh, like Fibbage and Quiplash. And, like, the uh, you have, like, the chameleon that comes in for, like, the second round of Fibbage or whatever. Right. And the fact that I know that speaks to, like, the <laughs> strength of the presentation um, I just think those, that adds a lot to these games. 
I don't know if anybody else has any uh, strong feelings on that. I, I think there's a level of presentation here that is appreciable, but I don't think makes or breaks any of the games. Like, I want to say that I do like most of it, but it's often disconnected enough that the games that I like, I don't associate with the aesthetic. And the games where it's really tied to it, like um, Survive the Internet, is like set on a browser, is mm-hmm. like your whole uh, like screen, is cool, and I'm glad it's there, but the game itself is good enough that if they had pulled back on some of the presentation, I wouldn't be upset about it. See, I kind of feel the opposite, whereas like the ones that I really like, I think are all the ones that have the best presentation. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't think it's because of that specifically, but I think that adds a significant amount personally. Yeah, I like that there's sort of camp elements to a lot of the games. Like with the trivia murder party, the fact that a man is ostensibly keeping you hostage and then asks you in a deep, gravelly voice, how many stomachs does a cow have? <laughs> and then, like, if you get it wrong, you're supposed to chop off your finger. Like, I love that kind of disconnect. And then it's in maybe one of the Fibbage games, there's always, like, a Slavic question break. Not always, but periodically. Right. Like, they'll just have that insert. And then there's, like, the eyeball theming. Or, like, the 70s or 60s aesthetic. Like... I think that's a fun visual element that is, again, maybe you don't need it, but I think that it it does add enjoyment for my enjoyment levels to the game. I think that their design is, it it tends to be quite strong across the board. It's certainly not the case that, like, every game has, like, a solid visual design, I think. But what's interesting to me is that they don't really have, like, a consistent style. Like, I don't know if you could play one of these games and be like, oh, like, that's a Jackbox game because, like, I recognize this art style or, like, this design style. But their their design is, like, it's very tight and polished. Like, the, the sort of um, gratuitous elements, like the funny, like, little quips or, like, the like the little breaks in, in uh, Fibbage, they know how to design that stuff to, like, get out of your way so it doesn't feel like oh like okay let's waste some time with this like it's very quick hitting um which i think is good like they they definitely know how to design for these types of games and like that that probably is the thing that stands out the best or the most to me yeah i think they ride the line like just right because like we all know cookie masterson the right. host of Fibbage and a couple of the other games. Schmitty. And Schmitty. Yeah. Schmitty's a lot worse, in my opinion. But, um, like, <laughs> we, all, like we, we all know Cookie, and we all both love and hate him at the same time. Mm. And I think that's exactly what you want. Like, you want something that is surprisingly funny sometimes, and then also kind of, like, annoying and, like, facepalmy sometimes. Like, it just... it. It just fits. Like I feel like that's the kind of tone these are going for. Like they're can't like Janelle said, campy, and like kind of like almost a little bit like outdated in some ways. But like it's also endearing. Like I don't know. I feel like they ride a line that's really appealing. Um, and like I say, it's so memorable. Like we reference Cookie Masterson somewhat regularly, <laughs> um, and I think that says a lot. Interestingly, not anything that he ever said. No, he just, just, him. just Cookie Masterson as a concept. It's just such well, a good name. name is very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But when it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because yeah, it's gone it's and out of your brain in like a half second. And that's yeah, what I like about it. their design choices is like they if he did like a 15 second joke, it would be torture if it wasn't funny. Uh, and like they they do a good job of like designing it so that like some of the stuff's not funny you don't even care because you don't think about it which is like yeah not easy to do i I think yeah it's not intrusive like there aren't like horrible like really long tutorials where he's trying a bunch of jokes and it's horrible and awful yeah most they're tutorializing i mean that's more of a hallmark of the game design than it is about the presentation but the tutorials of these games tend to be very short and easy to explain and that is like what makes a party game work like when you have people over and they're drunk and you sit them down the reason that you're going to reach for shitty ass cards against humanity as opposed to like settlers of Catan is because you don't want to spend 20 minutes explaining to somebody how to play the game that you're about to play. The fact that these can be like, there's going to be a prompt and then you pick two noises go is a great, like a little tiny explanation. That's pretty clear. And they're the kind of games that you kind of figure out as you play them. And uh, so that's that's more on, I think, the design than it is on the presentation. But I agree that not having a 20-second tutorial is a good thing mm-hmm. when you can just do it in five seconds. Is there a single example that any of us can think of of a game with an extremely high setup cost? That is a game that either literally takes a lot of time to set up physically or requires knowledge of a lot of different complex rules and tasks that is designed to be funny mousetrap i was gonna say mousetrap <laughs> Fu- uh, i can't believe that you said that <laughs> i think good everyone job, was job. was gravitating toward mousetrap as soon as he said a game that takes a long time to set up yeah, it has a lot of parts because <laughs> mousetrap is a catastrophe of a game <laughs> From a design perspective, because they basically intend for the player of the game to have a degree in architecture. Uh, sidebar, Mousetrap was always one of those things I'd see commercials for as a kid that I always wanted and was never allowed to have and you guys had in your basement. We did have uh, it. Yeah, we had, I, honestly, Steven. we had it and I didn't even really care. I don't think we ever even yeah, like, it. I remember like play like making a beeline for that when i went over to your house so it's like i gotta play with mousetrap i think we had three or four copies of mousetrap actually yeah right you probably did (laughs) but every day your parents just forgot they bought it for you your mousetrap story yes my my childhood history with the game mousetrap no oh please uh, it's a very simple and quick story uh, but I got it as a Christmas gift because, like Andy, I saw the commercials for it and was like, oh, it's, it's so the parts move in a way that is unpredictable. <laughs> it's a Rube Goldberg machine for kids. It is, yeah, yes. Like... And I was really attached to it, and I got it, and I was devastated because it was missing a piece. So I went back to Toys R Us like like after Christmas, and all the stores were open again. I got a new one. I opened it up. It was missing a different piece. <laughs> and the cycle repeated three times until we just gave up, and they got me a, uh, a different tip. You should have just kept the old one so you had all the pieces. Well, well buy two copies Mousetrap. After yeah. you think, how many times after like three times when it's been missing a piece, do you think that the adult play would have been like, "Oh, let's just buy one and invest <laughs> what, more money in mousetrap"? What mouse happened trap. here? When it happened that... the second time, that should have been when 
you say, okay, we'll buy another one and combine the pieces. Odds are we'll have them all. Double oh, I see your strategy now. Yeah. Okay, so they wanted to go double or nothing on yeah, Mousetrap. Double or nothing button. on what, Mousetrap. What happened in this situation is someone bought a copy of Mousetrap. It was missing a single piece. So they bought a second copy of Mousetrap, took the piece out. And, and then, then returned, returned it. that version. Oh. And you kept buying the returned copies of uh, Mousetrap. Honestly, like, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm such a, I was the Mousetrap sap in, in yeah. the, the complex the mouse Mousetrap plan. <laughs> the Mousetrap mouse sap. <laughs> Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Okay. All right. Uh, Jackbox is a game developed in 2014 that is unlike mousetrap in an infinite number of ways uh-huh. and the reason we started talking about mousetrap is because this conversation has started forming in my mind like the full curve of amount of time that you have to invest in the game on one axis and presumably like the amount of enjoyment question mark you get out of, out of the experience yeah on what's the, the other? Fun, what's the fun factor the fun fa- fun factor yeah. thank you i'm glad you, you found a succinct <laughs> twitter hashtag ready version of that question uh, but yeah and i was just curious because in theory like there's there's no reason at least that, the, that it hits me in the face immediately then you guys can call me on that if it's not true for why you couldn't have different types of enjoyment at high setup costs but it seems like almost every single time you have the high setup cost there's an expectation that it has to be this like serious endeavor in in one way or the other well i want to i want to provide a counter argument right okay but i know from experience that everyone on this call disagrees with me (laughs) and that is there is a game in jackbox party pack i want to say three called bidiots that we've already mentioned that is... I feel like Bidiots is in five. No, because we, we played it the last time we played. And we only played the first three games. I don't think that's right. That is true. There's, yeah, it doesn't all matter. Messed yeah, together a bit salad. Yeah, but it. I hate that game, and everyone else <laughs> thought it was like okay, at least. And the problem is the game has a ton of setup and a ton of like process to it Mm -hmm. so you have to draw pictures first then you have to bid on the pictures and then you have a total amount of money that you could spend in it unless you take a predatory loan yes and then you take out a predatory (laughs) loan in order to pay for additional paintings and the goal is to buy the paintings based on descriptions that you're given on your phone of paintings that are worth a lot of money uh to end up with the highest score at the end of the game. So there's a lot of strategy to it. There's a lot of sort of like understanding of the process. Like you have to be able to get how to work at an auction in order to play the game. And the game's tutorial in no way sets that up as a thing. One of the secret hidden mechanics of the game that I was unfamiliar with is that a bunch of the drawing prompts are set up to produce similar looking images Hmm. so that you can like identify which image is which and then go from there and i i feel like that game has a ton of setup time and is also very bad and i think it's a direct result of it like i think that if it was a simpler concept like one of the two things either drawing pictures and trying to identify them which is just drawful Mm mm-hmm or the bidding thing, but with preset images, I feel like it would be easier to, to grasp and therefore more enjoyable for yeah. a group. I think it's 
it could easily be boiled down to like a familiarity thing. Like if we played it a few times and just internalized the rules, it'd probably be a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like that's the whole point of the the question, the setup time. Yeah, yeah. They're so, not all. I, I think it's it's like a uh, like a like a like a cost you have to pay. Like you have to be able to get into the game so much before it's good, right. and that's usually a sign of bad design. Yeah, but what were you gonna say, Steven? I was just gonna say like, so in the Jackbox Party Pack, you're getting what four or five games in the pack, so they don't all have to hit the same way. And I actually probably like that you get a little variety there, where you have your your Quiplash or your Fibbage that you can show to anybody who's never seen it before. They need no tutorial; they can jump right in and play, and it's a great party game in that way. And that you look at uh, other games that take a little bit more of that setup aren't necessarily bad they maybe just something that doesn't ring a bell with you but like it's something that we could play again and have a really good time with because i think most of us once we got it figured out we're enjoying it but it did feel like it ran a little long but i feel like we i like i wouldn't be surprised if we went back to that game and played it and had a good time so if you're playing with like a regular group uh like we do then it's something that could come back. So the way the party pack is set up, it could be good to have like two out of the five games are no tutorial necessary. Show it to somebody and they're good to go. You have one that takes maybe some setup time and a little bit more work. Then you have your art game, which everybody's going to suck at drawing. Like having that variety in the pack makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I will go ahead and say we're not, nor should we ever return to Zeeple Dome. <laughs> <laughs> we did play that only once. I don't think I ever played it, that one. It's you don't need to. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can skip. Yeah, I, I thought you were there, but that doesn't matter. Uh, it sucked. <laughs> one thing I wanted okay. to. No, go ahead, Jenny. Let's mine this. Why did Zeeple Dome suck? Because I was like, it was trying to be like an indie flash game. Like it was mm. like a weird. 2D for like side scrolly type perspective, like the side on view of the action. And like, I don't even fucking remember what happened. And I think that's the problem. It's like, it's super like ill defined, I think. There's definitely a comparison, but I can't think of like a specific name. But it, the concept of it is everyone's phone has like a slingshot on it and you like shoot things at an angle mm-hmm. and you're supposed to match it up with what's on the screen. To accomplish, it's an action game. Like it's it's not a. It's like Angry Birds crossed with something else. Yeah. Like uh, what's the one with the stick figures? Like, a, never a mind. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, but the the reason that it's bad is because it is not what you go to the game for. Like I could see this being released as like a prototype type game where they're like, we tried to do an asymmetric multiplayer action game that everyone plays individually on their phones while interfacing with our server, which then displays what's happening on the screen. But because of all of the the levels of disconnect, it doesn't function because you can't react to things anywhere close to the amount that you need to. It feels like an experimental indie game that they just bought and slapped in the pack to fill out the roster. The the pack only needed Madverse City, the best (laughs) game that nobody likes. The game that I'm incapable of playing. Yes. I assume it's like a a rap game. It's a rap game. I think Madverse City, (laughs) we keep coming back to Apples to Apples and Cars Against Humanity. Like That was my problem with Madverse City is... 
and it's a personal thing. It's me. It's not the game. Uh, mostly, I think is like I would put together something I thought was like really good, and like no one would vote for it. Like that was like every time with that game for me, and it made me sour towards it. But I think the game is good. I'm a lyrical genius. <laughs> Chad is a yeah. it spits mad rhymes. Yeah. What, what I wanted to ask about um, earlier was most of us have expressed like some kind of personal preference vis-a-vis the Jackbox games and one that I am aware of but like we've never actually like fully explored that much is it seems like Andrew you don't really like the drawing games and Mm. like I'm curious to know why I know like obviously you are way more talented at drawing like than any of us and so like that could that's always struck me as like the root reason but I would love to hear your thoughts about the like the art based games yeah i mean it is that and uh it's just like me being petty he because... hates to stoop to our level no it's <laughs> not that it's he just like i very bad drawings <laughs> yeah, yeah it's because you guys sicken me you should draw um, the episode art in like the in-game ooh, drawing on thing. A phone. that is tempting actually <laughs> I- i'll look into it uh i could probably emulate that with the photoshop brush like a big fat one but um so the thing is, is that like, I'm decent at drawing. I don't like to toot my own horn. I don't like to call myself an artist, but like, I'm good at drawing. I will say it. Um, <laughs> and and edit, I will put uh, I'm the best and the greatest. <laughs> and I draw with the best of them. I, no, I, but, will, uh, <laughs> I will insert a horn sound effect. Yes. Of I'm a gonna, horn being tooted And I'll here. toot it. Yeah. But uh, no, like, and then it's, it's frustrating, I guess, to tr- do something that you're good at with a huge handicap like having to draw on your little phone screen with your big fat finger and like knowing you could do so much better if you had like a better interface or like anything to work with is frustrating like you get a prompt and you're like you know you watch shows like um gonna plug some shows here like uh like uh Rick and Morty. Yeah, like Rick and Morty. No, what's the Drawfee? Oh, Drawfee, yeah. yeah. We all watch that. Um and you, you they, they 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 take prompts, like things that people comment and they're like and they draw a nice drawing and they take like, you know, like 20 minutes to do it. And you know, and that's like that's my headspace. Like when I get a prompt, I'm like, "Oh, I could think of something good I could do with this." And I, you know, and then but like I have to do it in like 20 seconds like with my finger on a little phone screen and it's like it's frustrating to me like to have to crunch to do that but like that's also part of the fun is like it's putting pressure on you and you have to crunch and like do the best you can with shitty tools Mm -hmm. and like that's the point it's just like if i'm in the wrong mood i'm like uh well it's also an equal it's also (laughs) like sometimes the prompts sometimes the prompts are shitty like, I remember one time I had to do, like, Unicorn War or something, and, like, I just drew, like, a shitty unicorn on each side with a machine gun. Right. And that was the best I could think of. And then somebody got pissed because they thought it was one thing. And it's just, like, you get drinking and you play these games. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, there's a lot of, it's a whole cocktail of issues. But, like, sometimes the drawing games land real bad for me. Well, I was just going to say that the the drawing interface is also like an equalizer because yeah. if the, if the game was like 
oh, we all have a tablet and a stylus in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> and like every all of Andy's drawings would come up, and we would be like, oh, that was that's the one that Andrew drew. And mine would look no, just of course as bad. Unicorn one. Yeah, like <laughs> the the game design is sound. It's just like being good at a thing and then having to be handicapped yeah. with it is frustrating. It, Andy, that makes sense. I can, like I can see like that. Lucifer has fallen from so much of a greater height than yes. the rest of us that his pain is magnified in the greatest of us all. If anything, the phone screen has made my drawings better yeah, I mean, than I, what they normally are. I did draw that one drawing that's on the t-shirt that you bought. That's true, yeah. yeah. Which I thought I got out, but now I think I put it back in the drawer. That's all right. We're not gonna, yeah. I'm not capturing the video. I decided against it. You should it. capture that image of that shirt and put it Put somewhere. it on Twitter. Yeah. That is a great feature, by the way. It might, that, oh, yeah. It's part of the reason that I, I think Hard Call, TKO, is I think my favorite of all the Jackbox games. It's mm. top tier. Yeah. It's a very it, good it, game. It, it combines the like, forced equalizing hilarity of terrible drawings with the kind of surrealist humor that I like. I, I don't know. I feel like being forced and having an incentive in the game to come up with like as many one second three word phrases that you can possibly string together is it's really up my alley uh and is the kind of like bonkers off the wall diversity that having all of these rapidly iterated five packs allowed mm-hmm. uh, and i assume was also pushed through because it allowed them to do crazy markups on t-shirts to monetize as a different revenue <laughs> revenue scheme one that i wholly support because those shirts are awesome mm-hmm. and i regret every day not buying teeth 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 burn it all down <laughs> see I, I don't even remember that shirt <laughs> This is why you need a, a yeah. physical memento. Yeah, see, I wanted, I wanted. There is no god here to see. see? <laughs> that was Hill. a classic. Yeah. That's a great shirt. <laughs> we can't forget sloppy tits. No, yeah, oh. nobody can. I had forgotten sloppy tits. What's interesting yeah. about oh, like, What's interesting about TKO is that, like, and I hadn't even really appreciated it until just now. Is it's not a competitive game, like. Does anyone even win that game? I don't think so. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, win. there's a winning shirt, but do they, is there a winning player? Yeah, the there's, person yeah. who put the shirt Whoever together, you get, the person yeah. who did the slogan, and the person who did the drawing also get kudos. But right, we just it never just feel seems... like it's like that because yeah, it's not really competitive. The, the points, the points are spread around. Yeah, it, because it's in order the for most... the person to get the winning shirt. Someone had to draw the drawing, and someone had to write the slogan, and those right. people also get points. And, they, and when you the vote on shirts for the votes, so like if you win in a, a competition between two shirts, then uh, that those people get points, and the other people do not. So there's actually a pretty wide like variety of ways to accrue points in the game, mm-hmm. but it is the most successful one at making that not the focus. Yeah, it's it, there is a winner, but like you don't it's not yeah, exactly. It's not the no focus. One cares. You don't even you don't even think about I it. I don't even remember us ever like taking notice of who won. I cert like <laughs> as a fairly competitive person, I like I've never even cared about winning TKO. Um and like when you vote on shirts you can vote for your own shirt, which is, like, might seem a little weird. Like, you can vote for it every time. Um, and yet, like, when I've played and, like, put together a shirt, I have never once voted for mine unless I thought it was, like, <laughs> yeah. the funniest, right? Exactly. Like, I've never let, so well, this, you single know, time. <laughs> like, this is mine and I'll get points. Well, it usually is the funniest, but that's, like, a separate <laughs> question. But, like, objectively, you should vote for yours every time, because, like, you'll get some points even if it doesn't win. But, like, that's never how I've played the game. And, like, I do, like, I'm a pretty sort of straightforwardly competitive person, so, like, I think that's a sign of a good 
if if not good, at least very interesting game design that like it's you don't play to win that game. Like you play to have yeah. fun in that game, which is which is yeah. cool. It creates you, you an, play to make merchandise. Yeah, it, it <laughs> creates an envi- yeah it creates an environment yeah where you want to pick the funniest thing regardless of whether or not it's yours. Like yeah. you like respect the other person's like ability to put together a funnier thing than you. Like yeah, like it is hard to kind of quantify, but like it does create a scenario where like it almost feels like a collaborative effort to make the funniest shirt. Yeah, to, to keep the Cards Against Humanity comparisons rolling. It's like if someone wrote their own custom cards and then handed it to their friends and then used that as the deck. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah suck it, Cards Against Humanity, I think is what we're trying to say. I agree. Uh, I want to talk about, because we're coming off of TKO and we're still in the realm of the drawing games, why I personally love the actual gameplay of drawful as like i think the best like pure drawing game uh it's like the simplest most focused drawing game yeah and the and the concept of picking a title for the piece is really like the most like the other jackbox games that i like where you're given something often unbelievably ridiculous like almost indecipherable and then you have to just title it and seeing the things that people come up with like they're if they're elements people latch on to like what was the last the last time we played somebody had a drawing that was like everyone identified as being like a happy chimney or a mushroom <laughs> oh, and it, it was, was not that at all <laughs> was that Lindsay's? it was i would think it was Lindsay's. yeah drawing. i don't remember it was it was like uh yeah. Oh, it, it was her, like, morning commute, and she had drawn, like, coffee oh, yeah. in front of right, her. Right, yeah. When it came uh, up, you yeah, know, it was like, oh, this is such a cute friend, and then the picture was, like, nothing. <laughs> we were so like, far I was, I, yeah, like, I put something like Happy Mushroom, like, speeding by, or, like, something. Yeah, like. yeah like, it just, the fact that it was just, like, we had all, like, individually latched onto parts of the drawing that were not part of the original prompt in any way, and, like, you get to see this, like, spread of how the interpretations, like, were taken. It just, as somebody who's bad at drawing, I feel like I'm, like, the target demographic for this. Because, like, it's always the most amusing when the people just don't get it. And I love that. Yeah, and, like, the time, for someone who is good at drawing, like, the time limit is the forgot. fun part. Yeah, in case you forgot, I'm the best, <laughs> and I draw so good. Um, <laughs> like, the time limit is the part that, like, I find the most fun. Is that, like, you have to, like... There are, like, videos of, like, people who will be like, I'm going to draw Spider-Man in five seconds. I'm going to draw Spider-Man in one minute. And I'm going to draw Spider-Man in five minutes. And, like, you get to look at, like, the five-second drawing, and it's all sped up, and it's like... And it's just, like, a shitty Spider-Man, and it's really funny. Like, that's this game, basically. It's like somebody... You have to, like, scramble to render your prompt. And, like, it, it creates its own chaotic, funny drawing in the process because of the time limit. And it's always, yeah, it's just when I'm not frustrated <laughs> by how it's limiting me, it is, it is really funny <laughs> in the appeal for me. It's a fun challenge. You're so sexy and hot. Andy. I am the best <laughs> around. Mm-hmm. 
So we've talked about the key from down. Yes, we talked about the trivia games and the like the quip and uh, the like quippy funny uh, yeah the quip and the flip games and the drawing games like they're still like the the other games that don't necessarily fit into those things like monster seeking monster is one I want to make sure we bring up and or talk about. Yeah, because I'm the only one that likes that game. I I always say that I like this game. It's just that we're shouted down. So let's talk about that game. Monster Let's talk about that's the one. How weird it is to be sexting with your brother, because that's what Monster (laughs) Seeking Monster (laughs) is, and that's why I don't like it. Surprisingly, the second time tonight that we're talking about maybe sexual relationships with immediate family members. but yeah, that game is a. I play that game with two of the people being blood relatives, which is why I don't have that much fun playing it. <laughs> yeah, I can see where it, I mean, be, and it would be a great party game. Like, if I that's the party game, like I should have brought to my random like friends party who they're not as funny as us uh, or as smart, <laughs> but man, they probably have done, they've probably done a lot Just of online archers. Gaming. The night goes on. Yeah, yeah. like. For for me, like no one in the in our group of friends is my brother, so that helps. Um, but for me, the uh, the fun of Monster Seeking Monster is that like I I was never somebody who got like into theater or anything, but I've always really liked theater, and it's really kind of tickles my like improv bone. Like something about Monster Seeking Monster. I just I really get into like the inhabiting like the messaging somebody and trying to like get them to like i i often don't even focus on like my secret goal right and like i just try to get as many people as i can to uh I, what's even your goal in the game it's been okay, a long so time since we played it. i try to get them to Genelius. everyone is a monster of some kind you might be a ghost or a vampire whatever and so whatever your secret identity is whether you are the vampire for example it might be to get as many different people to go out with you or if you're the ghost it might be to specifically date a certain like only date the frankenstein's monster or something like that like you have a secret role that the other players don't know and so you're mission is to achieve your goal while also foiling other people's goals meanwhile you're not sure who's who and behind the disguise so there's the you there is like a messaging feature where you get like five texts that you can send and so maybe you want to send all five of them to one person and get the focus on them to want to go on a date with you or it may make more sense if you need to get as many people to want to date you and reject them, for example, as part of your goal, to, like, try to get, spread spread the wild oats or whatever, and, like, send one text to every person and, like, try to entice them to ask you out. Um, so no, there is... Not- what? I'm gonna need to focus in on spread the wild oats. Is that- <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, what is it, you're... Seed your wild oats. That's a whole fucking. So your wild. You want to try and impregnate as many of the other players. You, yeah, you want you want to have a vampire, werewolf hybrid baby, specifically. <laughs> but yeah, so right. The thing you want to do is get dates. 
Yes. Is yeah, is what I couldn't remember somehow, even though it's yeah, but yeah, explicitly but stated in the you're game. You're just so excited at the prospect <laughs> but, of sexting all of us. Yeah, together. but like that's the thing. Like I, I think like and I think that as the majority of times we've played, I've been the winner of this game. And once again, I don't like to shoot my own horn. Get, get that you're but, so horn sexy and but but I am the best and the greatest, mm-hmm. and I'm great at drawing, and I'm great at monster seeking monster. Mm-hmm. But like I think. I found like maybe I found the meta game, but like I think like the thing you want to do a monster seeking monster is just try to have as many successful dates as possible and not worry about your secret goal. I think okay, if you've played any other this this falls into a category of things and we'll talk about one other standout example of this. I'm positive uh that I'm just going to call social games. They're games where the goal is to interact with other people and spin it in a favorable way for you whether that is by deceit or like clever uh wordplay or whatever mm-hmm. and so monster seeking monster ends up due to the secret goals feeling like the popular like what do you call it? like imposter games yeah. things like werewolf or mafia where you have to identify the people who are fakers yeah or who the person that they are in monster seeking monsters case my largest problem with Monster Seeking Monster is because the game takes a very long time. It feels like you either get in a situation where you feel like somebody is very clearly going to win or that you are very clearly going to lose. It's the Monopoly problem. Yeah, and you and once somebody checks out, the entirety of the fun of interacting with them goes away instantaneously. Like, you want to imagine that people will just stay in it till the end because they think they still have a chance, but because of the standings and because of the fact that they reveal who people are as the game goes on, it makes it, like, really hard to think that you have a shot the the further you go uh, into the game. And so, I don't know, like... And it, it just because of how the length of time, like it's hard to maintain enthusiasm for that long. It yeah. is one of the longer games, but I also hate games like Mafia and Werewolf, <laughs> and I, I just yeah. don't like playing them. Yeah. So. See, I feel like on paper we'll it sounds that. like something like I where I would agree with you, or it doesn't. It sounds kind of lame. But there's something about it in practice. Like I love this one, and I feel like I like it the most. Well, you said that it. it tickles your improv though it does yeah i love everybody you have to text people like the way it works is it's broken up into nights and each night you have to like text the other players and try to get a date with them Mm -hmm. and i i don't know i find that interaction like super fun and 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 one thing that we keep coming back to as steven said early on is like we're a group of people who are really familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of in jokes. Like I know I can like message Dan like as a fallback if I have nothing else that I want to do. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to know I'm fallback. Yeah, just text him some Well, I'm just saying if I don't have any other options, I know I can have a funny interaction with you like by texting you something only you would get. And you know, like there's just like playing with a close group of friends like I have a lot of fun with that. I don't know if other 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 people take that angle when we play, but like I just kind of fuck around, right? And maybe that's the best way to get dates. Maybe I need to apply this logic to my own real life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to clarify, you're saying that the way you would apply that to your real life to get dates is to attempt to date us specifically, yeah, like one at a time. Yeah. You guys want to go yeah. out? Have you considered me? 
Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's only if only I could date my cousin. Yeah. Well, well okay, so <laughs> the entirety of that setup was literally me just going to say some everyone likes to, to tickle their bones, but not usually in the presence of their own brother. And you went on for four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I like to stroke my own bones. Yes. So I'm glad that we're here now. Uh-huh. The other social game that I do want to talk about in relation to this is Facebook. Faking it, which is the other. Oh, I forgot about Ooh, faking it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just played like we hadn't played it in a really long time, and I played it when I played it with my parents recently. Mm-hmm. And I told I, I up front, I was like, "You don't want to do faces because faces sucks." <laughs> uh, but like, it's we played it with like very few people, so it, it wasn't as good. It's way better with a bigger group, right? Uh, it's way easier to suss out a liar when it's like four people, but uh. This game gives me anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the reason that I don't like playing those types of games, is because I am an absurdly nervous liar when there's immediate pressure on me. Hmm. Like, when somebody's like, oh, you didn't do this thing, like, you could see the sweat beating on me. (laughs) Like, every victory I've scored in faking it, because this is the double-edged sword, right? has been a euphoric experience where I feel like I've overcome not only the game and the other players, but my very nature as a human being <laughs> to be able to not, like, show a crack in my, my falsehoods. Okay, so then would you, Chad, absolutely adore all of these werewolf-style games if there was some mechanic or a hypothetical matchmaking system that assured that you were never the liar? Oh, I thought you were just going to say, would you like to play Among Us? Because it's <laughs> that game, but you don't have to physically be there. <laughs> oh, I didn't know the physicality of it was the problem with the That's lying. the biggest problem, because it's noticeable when okay. I'm nervous about it. That's uh, fair. Yeah, you can't play it over, like, a uh, stream... Because you had to, like, point at other people and things. Yeah. Mm, Part of the... Uh, the the charm of it is that and like the arguably the best moments that come out of this game are like when somebody is caught not just red-handed but like some kind of even deeper crimson handed <laughs> uh like when somebody claimed that they had seen uh God, what fucking movie was it why do I want to say it was the Green Mile or something? Oh, I remember there's one where it was The Walking Dead with me, and it was like, "How many seasons of The Walking Dead have you seen?" Right. And no, somebody was like, "It was like, how many times have you rewatched this movie?" And they were like, they held up ten fingers, <laughs> which is such a bold move because it's rarely ten in the instance where you want to do that. So you have to be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> like did you see this movie ten times?" It was. It was me. It was you. What, okay. what you're leaving out is the premise is that if you are the liar, you're given an unrelated question that everyone else doesn't see. So everyone else got, how many times have you seen the Green Mile? But I got, how many pairs of shoes do you own? So I very confidently uh, th- held up ten fingers because I'm like, well, I have tons of that's shoes. That's the final everyone, Yeah, that's... That's well, only but, how the final round works. Yeah, but yeah, that was it though. You're yeah, right. that, oh yeah, it was. was I, I'm not doubting yeah. that. Yeah. From a game design perspective, one thing that's I really like faking it. I feel like maybe mm-hmm. I might like it more than I'm definitely on like the higher end of the spectrum of, of this group in terms of how much I like it. Um, but like, 
It's interesting that we had to, like, tweak the design or, like, the rules of the game to make it playable because uh, I remember when we played, we, like, instituted a house rule of nobody says or does anything until everyone reads the prompt on the screen because you, you do, don't when people... you're the faker, you don't get the prompt ahead of time, which is why it puts you in a compromising position of, like, I've got to point at someone or, like, raise the number of fingers and, like, I don't know what I'm going to be, like, claiming that that supports. But it's, like, if you don't have everyone read the prompt in a neutral way up front, it's super obvious who the faker is because they have to look at the screen and see, like, what they're supposed to say. And everyone else is, yeah. like, looking around. So, like, I, it's it's not bad design, but I really, I think, like, in a more tightly designed version of the game, they would, like, actually put that, like, as a instruction in the game of, like, everybody read the prompt before you look around or do anything. Yeah, because, like, the first couple times we played, people would get the prompt and they'd be like, oh. Or, you know, they'd have some kind of reaction to it. Right. And then, like, if you, were the, if you were the faker, it just says on your screen, like, try to blend in. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you could fake that if you were the faker and you, like, you... As soon as it comes up, and like you're being like, oh, you know, like you could, it's just, it leads to a lot of like unintentional reactions and people trying to like meta game. Well, not necessarily meta game, but like people's just it's natural, like literally the game. People's yeah. natural responses take over and like give things away almost immediately, mm-hmm. and the game does not call attention to that possibility whatsoever. So yeah, you do have to kind of realize that for yourself. It feels like I disproportionately get the faker job I more agree. than I anyone w- else. I will agree with this. Which I'm also, <laughs> I would say, out of Do everyone, the best faker. Like, I'm the best. Like, I, like, this is the two-year-old mo- podcast. You had the so. most, well, yeah. the most listen, practice. If Andy, if Andy got to be self-masturbatory, <laughs> give me my five seconds of self-masturbatory. Um, but we already gave that to you when yeah, you know all the, the queen trivia, of trivia. Yeah, 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 yeah I know her, all the Let trivia, her do her thing, all right? Which also means I'm a narcissist, and uh, like <laughs> when everyone else fails, and everyone knowing that I'm very smart and observant and read books. Anyway, I read books. <laughs> yeah, so like I'll read the phone and see like you're the faker. Try to blend in, but like other people are chuckling, so I'll be like. <laughs> And, like, when the time comes, you just have to move, like, with with confidence. And there have been times where I have convinced everyone else that the other person is the faker. And so, like, as someone who is anxious approximately 90% of the time, no matter what, always, the fact that I can be given a space to, like, just boldly and confidently, like, lie through my teeth, and that there are certain expectations and like a certain amount of anxiety that comes from it like it is in this in the space of a game where like i i had to lie i didn't pick this and so i'm gonna do it the best i fucking can it's because let's be real lying to your friends is so fucking fun when you can pull it off successfully (laughs) the sense of accomplishment is just incredible it's great it's awesome i always sorry go ahead sam uh, as I say, it's it's almost as though the game faking it is like a magic ring that makes whatever you say become a lie. <laughs> also, you can't feel the rings. 
Also, you can't fail him. Now, I was I was gonna say that my golden strategy when we play with this group of friends, if I'm the faker, is just to like in my peripheral vision watch for what Daniel does, <laughs> because odds are whatever Daniel puts up is gonna be similar to what I would do. Uh, I just I, I just revealed my strat. The sociological similarity. <laughs> yep. I see. In in defense of revealing your strat, <laughs> for years I have been telling people when I play rock paper scissors, I always throw scissors, and everyone thinks I'm faking them out, and they and I still win at rock paper scissors and you just at do least it. a decent amount of the time. Dude, it's all about head games. It really is. So. We, now that we know that, we'll try to apply it and we'll fuck it up. Or we, we'll, suspe- we'll suspect that you won't do it. We time. play infrequently enough that you won't remember the next time we play. I'll That's remember. also possible. We but Janelle will, because she, ele- is... she is an elephant. She never forgets. We have the best, we have the breast brain over here. The breast, the breast brain. <laughs> the breast I have breasts <laughs> on my best brain. That's how she's still good at a trivia murder party. She's got a brain in each breast. Exactly. But, um... I, do. I have three brains. <laughs> Anyway, I have four brains. How many brains do you have? Yes, yeah, <laughs> hold up a number of fingers. Yeah, no, but, uh, tri- trivia murder party. Are are there any other favorite games anyone wants to call out? You want to talk about earwax, Chad? Okay, earwax is is supremely underappreciated, or I'm the only person on the planet who finds it funny because we replayed it, and I think everyone was like, "Yeah, that was okay." But oh, I, I still it. think the concept of it is just so good. I'll agree with you. The concept is fantastic, and we keep going back to this well, but like for me, it's a Cards Against Humanity problem where I always feel like I put together a great combination and no one ever picks it. Yeah. Like It's one of those games that's super subjective and can go super great or terrible. Like just it's like a flip of a coin whether or not I have fun while playing it. Okay, but we played it the last time that we played. Yes. Who won? I don't remember. Exactly. I'm not competitive. It doesn't though. fucking matter. I'm not Does competitive. Does anyone though. in the room remember who won that game? I think I my point stands. <laughs> then it's been like a month. It hasn't been a month. It's, it's been, been like, at least two weeks. I which is like a month. Either way. <laughs> Two well, weeks, only because to a only month. because it's the two year horror podcast, I can reveal that I remember that I won that game. <laughs> <laughs> but now that he knows nobody else remembers, he can just take credit for it. So he's, uh, a, he's currently winning at no both earwax and faking it. Uh, but yeah, I'm not yeah. competitive, so I wouldn't remember either way. But the point of earwax is simply to just take this. Li- you have a, a a pretty small selection of sound effects that you get given like it's i think you get four at a time i don't think there's more than like 25 or 30 in the entire game and you get like a prompt to do a thing and and you have to put together two sound effects that match the prompt so i agree that it has the apples to apples problem because it is a judge based game yep and Sometimes it, it's the Hitler boner thing, right. where it's just like, whoever has the funniest sound effect might win. But I feel like the game being a sound effects game with a prompt means that everyone is going to at least attempt to make it match. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amusing to see how each person interprets the like combination of sounds and like what the person was going for. And because of that, like, I don't know. It's just a really funny game, and I just enjoy 
the idea of it so much. I will totally agree we should play it more often. Like, it, it has a lot of potential. I think that we should create our own version of the game. <laughs> Where will we sample all of these sound effects from? I just pull from sound libraries. There's, the there are a lot of royalty-free are... sound effects. Yeah. The, the sound effects in the game are all just like uh, the sound of a champagne bottle popping. A man saying yes. Like, things like that. Like, it's very A simple. machine gun going oh, I played this game. I, I People screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Did you, ever, did you ever have the game Henry as a kid? That sounds like the most boring thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it sounds creepy it, to It's me. a purple. It's like a purple. It's essentially like a square. And it has. It's like a memory game. It has a bunch of sound effects. And you have to, like, match the sound effects to the different, like, corresponding. It's like a bunch of. Bun- bu- it's a bunch, a of, bunch buttons. of buttons on it. It's like 20 buttons. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, match up all the sound effects. I liked it a lot as a kid. But mm. anyway, it's just. It is royalty-free sound effects of the game is basically why I brought it up. It's uh, like there's a bunch of sound effects on it that I've heard in other media, and it's been weird. I'm like, oh, that's from Henry. <laughs> I think the thing that makes it work where Cards Against Humanity kind of obviously fails. We agree it's trash. But, like, the difference is... <laughs> Fuck it. The difference with this game, if my memory serves, is that you can't like hit play and hear what your sound effect is going to exactly sound like you just get the title of the sound effect that's so, it i so feel like you, that's not true no that it is, is true is it and, oh and you have I, to pick it based on name yeah and i think that's what makes it work is that you don't hear like the sound itself you just get the title of it and so you as the person who picked it also are hearing it for the first time when the judge hears it to judge it and so like the title might make sense in right. your brain, but then you hear what it sounds like and it makes no fucking sense at all. Or or it's like, like even funnier than you. Or yeah, like my it, or like for a reason you didn't expect. Yeah, my first. I literally remember the first one we did. I didn't understand the game very well, and I picked two things that I thought kind of made sense, and it wasn't really the ones I should have picked if I knew the game based on their names, but the sounds like were really funny the way they worked out and lined up and whoever was judging picked mine it was it was like oh that's great now i understand this game like (laughs) but the fact that you don't hear it ahead of time i think kind of softens that blow of whoever has the funniest sound effect is gonna win because you don't know what your sound effect is it says you know man crying okay like you can or or you know car door car crash man crying like it might be like okay maybe that works that, sounds funny already yeah it sounds hilarious. that's a good that's a really good like representation of what it's like to play the game yeah. before the sound effects come into play yeah and you're like oh yeah car it, crash man it's crying. just descriptions of sound effects and you're like that sounds funny together sure, yeah they work the, the the story is like you know like i'll be home late like whatever like and you put that in and then when you actually hear the sound effect the way they line up makes no either no sense at all or it makes great sense and it's funny like and so i think that eliminates a little bit of that cards problem of the there's not just a funny like what is a funny sound effect like full stop like it's hard sound yeah okay and and we never had a fart (laughs) but like yeah if there were like if there was fart sound in there then okay that one's all that was gonna win and yeah, fuck this round <laughs> it doesn't matter what anybody else said but the fact that you don't just ju- I, it's it's 
harder to just say this sound is funny than to say like this combination of words are absurd together and gross and everybody's gonna think is like oh like oh my god i can't believe that's a card so i think it yeah. works, <laughs> i think it works better yeah. than the cards concept now, yeah i i would agree with that but i feel like there's something about it where i feel like there's something about like the time investments or the fact that like it's so in your own head when you're thinking about the like uh, sound effects going together, like you'll you'll put together car crash, man crying, and you're like that's so good, you know, like you believe in that combination, and then the person doesn't pick it, you mm-hmm. know, like it's just it's just one of those things where the it, it I feel like it really highlights the difference between like people's perceptions. And it can feel dissatisfying when you play Earwax, is all I'm saying. I love it. I, I, I mean, I think it is a, gr- is a good game, and I do think we should have played it more, how, given how much we've played these games. Yeah. I, I won't disagree with that. What else do we want to talk about? The Netflix Podcast. podcast. Of the No Clip podcast, <laughs> <laughs> those were good sound effects. Yes, release, release structure, structure silence. <laughs> no of Clip the no podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, how okay? Intrigue me, uh-huh. and I will. I will engage if I find it suitably intriguing. <laughs> well, that's what a tantalizing offer, Chet. <laughs> Just, just how conversations work, Chad. <laughs> this is I'm telling you this. This is a this I'm giving you this. Uh-huh. Because I will let you know also that if you don't intrigue me, fuck you. I'm cutting it out. And no, it's okay, just cut me. Just cut me right now. It's not that good. I wanna be this honest. This is how Chad operates at a like personal parties. Is he just goes <laughs> up to strangers <laughs> and is like, I'm gonna give uh-huh. you a chance to talk to me. If <laughs> if I like what you have to say, I might stick around. If not, I'm leaving. <laughs> Chad, enemy of subtext. What's amazing than... is that people try, you know? What? Just a, it's, You would think that people would just run away from a guy like that. Oh! oh now, okay. people like to rise to that challenge. Right, yeah. Yeah, they do. We're taking this joke very seriously. <laughs> which is what we do here. Mm-hmm. At the No Clip Podcast. Yes. Bastion of seriousness for... 100 years <laughs> minus 95 yes mm-hmm. my dick's gotten bigger since i started <laughs> do we have <laughs> final thoughts <laughs> got who wants to go first we got go, we have so go. many people i'll here. go janelle, janelle final me. thoughts me, hit me. me um i i feel like recently when we've been off um podcasts we've been talking about games that bring people together in ways that we're kind of supplementing our social lives in a time when we're still in lockdown we haven't really been able to spend quality time in person with people and so jackbox is a great game to play in one living room when everyone is there in person but it's also designed at least in part I would say, with the intent of being played remotely. And that people can, even if they're not participating, watch from anywhere in the world if they're on your Steam friends list. Um, and I think that it is, regardless of 
what your group dynamic is, um, a good investment in like the classic game night. Uh, whether your friends all live in the same town or across the world. And I really am glad that we can do Jackbox nights and spend time together even when we're apart. Aww. <laughs> uh, I don't think I said aw, actually, in the yeah. entirety of the podcast. <laughs> I don't have a very interesting final thoughts, so I guess I will go next. Uh, I think it's hard to make a good party game, uh, and they've succeeded in making a number of good ones. Um, and like, I think the variety is really the strength of Jackbox, and that probably has something to do with its like longevity. I mean, we've been playing it for years now, and we still, when we sit down and do Jackbox, we, we have a lot of fun with it. Like the games have not gotten stale, and so I think like if I could say one. The one thing I would say most in its favor is that, um, like, they have put together a collection of games that are, like, consistently are engaging and fun to play over, like, a really long period of time, which is not easy to do for a party game, so. Yeah, I guess I mean, I'll my... go next. Oh, sorry, I was just about to step on. I was actually going to suggest Steven, because okay. we're yeah, all on yeah. the same circuit here. Sure, Steven, you go. Yeah, I was the next one in my series of screens to the right of Daniel's face, and so I felt like I was next. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't have a lot more to add beyond what what Daniel Janelle said. So, um, I I think I really love I love Jackbox, and I don't know. It's 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 kind of hard to sum up, I guess, because I I think it's a great party game, um, and it is. I know what I want to say, and I feel like it's a shitty thing to say. Um, so I guess I could just go ahead and say it, because I've already come down wind, wind it up, baby. Why, why, not, why not do it? Um, I feel like playing Jackbox with your friends is a great way to evaluate like your relationship with those people, and and if they are clever people or not. Uh, like, I really have... It just, again, like I've played... I kind of have like two in my life. I guess I have like these two different groups. I have you guys, my friends from back home, and then I have my friends here in Florida, uh, who are very different groups of people in a lot of different ways. Who we've we've already established are morons. Yeah, and, and <laughs> one of those ways is they like my friends here. I love you know I I enjoy spending time with on a on a regular basis, and we do a lot of fun things together. But if I was going to put together like my team trivia group it wouldn't be them like they're it's it's just like and and like clever people to like act with in an improv situation because it's something it, it maybe some of them could be good at if they for practice it's just super out of their comfort zone and so i think jackbox is kind of one of those things that i don't know i i, I really appreciate it like i said at the very beginning of the podcast it is the first thing that we did together that i can remember um as like a group um but other than wear costumes and get really drunk on the streets of Morgantown. <laughs> yeah and and maybe we played we might have played our one like a one-off dnd session before that but like it it jackbox definitely stands out to me as a thing that for this group of friends in my life um was something we did together and it's something i look forward to doing every time we bring it up like andrew brings it well like played jackbox this weekend like oh yeah sounds like fun like, and I know what I'm getting. I know, like, we're going to get together and we're all going to have funny jokes. 
and lots of good goofs uh, based on the like names of the uh, the codes to enter the rooms. Is everybody like people are gonna come up with clever, funny names? Like it's just gonna be a good time, and and I can count on you guys for a good time with it. And so yeah, like Jackbox is is it's a great party game, but it. I don't know. It's 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 even better when you have like a group of friends who really know each other. So I like it a lot. I guess I'll go next. I'm next up in the rotation. Um, I I agree with the room here. It's it's hard to put together final thoughts on seven party packs, uh, <laughs> compilations of party games. But I I I think uh, focusing in on the fact that they're party games is a good way to do it because. Like, we've played other things together. Like, we've played, like, Tabletopia, which hosts a lot of board games virtually, and um, Tabletop Simulator and things like that. And Jackbox really does it for me in a way that those don't by being, like, very accessible. And uh, as I said, like, I, I, you can play them with your parents. You can play them with a group of friends you don't know super well. But there's that depth. Uh, I think as Steven was getting at very early in the cast where like, if you're really familiar with a group of people, it just really enriches the experience. You can have in jokes, you can cater your answers to specific people and like, you can really explore or like maybe not explore, but like incorporate your relationships with like the people, you know, into your answers in a way that's interesting and a lot of fun um or you could play it more casually with like you can play it at work like you know it works on both ends of the spectrum and is fun and brings people together and it really succeeds on that level in the way that a lot of other games don't um it it, it really like um it makes the it doesn't like maybe break down the walls like the skill level walls like where people some people might be better some people might be worse but like it it makes them like transparent. It makes them not matter. Um, and people can just have fun with them. And I think that's the real strength. And I think they have really strong visual presentation. They're very memorable in the way that like some other games aren't like, I remember the aesthetics and like things like in Fibbage where they go to the third round and it's just like a, like a number three and it's like tied to railroad tracks and there's like a whole scene that's animated and then like it, it gets up before the train comes and it's just like three and then it fades into the round and it's just you know like they, they did put it through all that effort mm-hmm. just for that gag and i appreciate that stuff like it's it's a fun light-hearted approachable fun game that brings people together and i think it really succeeds on that level in the way that not a lot of other things do so that's my muddled all over the place final thoughts on the Jackbox Party Pack. If you haven't played it somehow, if you just listen to this podcast, if you're one of the five people, um, give it a try. Get some people together. Find friends, as Andy can. Yeah, get friends, get fucking friends. Get friends, now. you loser. You're correct. As someone with friends, uh, I want to say right, thank you. Geez. Thank you for being my friend, friends. It's, it's been Thank wonderful to have friends. Thank you for being friend. Correct. Uh, but moving away from my own personal superiority, which has been the general theme of, the, of episode 100, <laughs> uh, and into the superiority and the accomplishments of this series specifically, like, 
historically speaking, video games have an advantage, one of the advantages uh, over tabletop board games in that it can be made structurally impossible to make an illegal move. Uh, if, you know, you, you can't accidentally start with too many hit points when you're rolling up, you know, a new save file on an RPG in the way that you can accidentally give someone too many of a particular kind of card in a card game. Uh, and Jackbox leverages that advantage, which is itself an accessible thing. You you can't, you know, think of all the times when you've been playing card games with friends and you've had to be like, oh, wait, no, stop, don't do that. You can't make that move. That is an accessibility advantage that video games have, but it has generally and historically been gated behind other accessibility disadvantages like physical hardware, expensive equipment, and probably chief among all of them, controller competency. Jackbox is able to leverage both the accessibility advantages of conventional video games uh, by trying to downplay the disadvantages that's also inherited to the medium by just taking controllers and throwing them out the window. And I think that on its own is going to be enough to keep the barrier to entry of these games low enough to keep them constantly recycling with new ideas year after year into the indefinite future. And just because of the sheer volume of games that they're going to be creating, there's going to be high variance at the end there. But I do think that they have a proven track record at this point that I'm willing to kind of put myself behind them in the future too. These are good games. They're not all good games, but most of them are good games. And you, you know, you don't need that much in order to, create a social space in which you can be entertained with the people around you and that's all that you need for a party game to be successful and this does enough to help get you there i've cheated all of you so hard i've cheated in jackbox the whole time the whole th- no. yeah, the uh, i am cookie masterson by having everyone go before me in final thoughts um the one thing that i do want to mention that does Separated a little bit from what everyone else has said, um, though JJ verged on taking it from me, is that we, as a podcast about video games, have never talked about a board game for this exact reason. Uh, And this is the closest that I think I've come not only to wanting to dive into a board game style game in this way on this podcast, but into enjoying a board game (laughs) and this kind of like party game atmosphere is something that i always appreciate when we do sit around to play the game and i don't know it is the that accessibility thing is a good point nobody ever really has an issue with playing the game so even if it's not somebody that you're very close to you can always invite people in and even if they are terrible at it they will often still have a good time so I think that's a good thing to leave it with, as we are terrible at podcasting, but we still have a damn good time. After 100 episodes, (laughs) we've not improved at all. (laughs) Thank you for listening to 100 episodes of No Clip, which you probably didn't do up to this point, but that is also fine. But if you did, send us an email. We'll tell you good (laughs) Good job. job. We're sorry, Gunther, for scaring you away when we shit on Minish Cap. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about next time? Next time, for episode 101, we're going to be talking about Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Uh, I personally am very happy 
even though when it was looming, I was very unhappy that we ended up having episode 105 years all land in October. Which we is, do usually have jam-packed October. <laughs> which is also our Halloween season here. Uh, but it does feel really appropriate that we're culminating all of this together into this into the origin month of October. Uh, and Amnesia is one of the class... It is the game that repopularized horror games in the modern age. So we wanted to go back and take a look at that one. That'll be our first thing for Halloween. Really couldn't do the wonderful 101, huh? Really didn't. Oh, for episode 101? <laughs> no, not scary enough. You okay. guys should redo uh, 999 for episode 999. <laughs> we will. We will, yeah. 100% we, we can do guaranteed. The, we can do the sequel, uh, Virtue's Last Reward. I'm willing to promise anything for I episode mean, 999. <laughs> my, my favorite video game journalist personality whatever you want to call him of all time loves that game so i'd be willing to talk about it all right until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at no clip podcast or anybody fighter shop pro i figured everybody would be excited to get that in uh (laughs) there you can find links to our youtube play you can find all of our old episodes uh, including nothing like this episode. Uh, <laughs> you listen to the Divinity Original Sin episode, which featured all of our remote guests, uh, as well as Rascal, which featured all of us except Janelle, or... Uh, Animal Crossing, like strange... which featured just me. Yeah, just Janelle, that's actually, not JJ. That's actually a good episode. Like, one of my favorites, actually. It you is a good one. Out. Yeah. We had another one that was, like... Uh, Life is Strange good. 2... <laughs> Yeah. You had at least Phoenix. one other good episode. <laughs> yeah, we had, yeah, at least we had one. like one yeah. episode. Phoenix was Wright good. was also a good one. Oberdin. All the guest episodes. Why are you flaring up gang signs when you say the words Oberdin? <laughs> well, Oberdin! We have a different, like, hand signal for each combination of guests on the show. Oh. Yeah. We'll get into that later. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back again. Surprise. Uh, We're going to forego our usual just putting three seconds of us going, oh, we fucked up the recording uh, with this discussion that we're going to have now. Uh, It's really unfocused and unclear what it is we're going to talk about, but I want to start by saying uh, that I really appreciate uh, like all Stephen, Dan, and Janelle for coming on to do this because like... It's weird because, like, the podcast in my day-to-day life does not play a huge, huge role in the way that I interact with other people. But each of you have been on it before. And even though we don't talk about the podcast a whole lot in our, like, social interactions, it's good to know that you guys were willing to come back to do this. Because, like, 100 episodes is a, is something I've been trying to convince myself is actually a pretty big deal. That we've continuously done this for as long as we have. Uh, so thank you, I guess. I think 100 episodes is a big deal. I mean, I, like... You guys don't get anything, like, material out of doing the podcast. So, like, it is something you have to, like, make the effort to put together and do. And... It's not like, there's some podcast 
um, premises that is basically like, let's just sit down and bullshit for two hours and that's an episode. Which is great. Like, I, there are plenty of podcasts that I like that do that. Uh, but, like, you actually have to sit down and play the games. And, like, that takes a lot of time. Um, and, like, I have listened to every episode of the podcast, mo- most of them more than once. Uh, <laughs> with the exception of the ones that I'm on that I usually <laughs> But, um, I don't, like, yeah, like, all kidding aside, I, like, I really like that you guys do this. I, I appreciate it a lot. I get a lot out of it. Um, and I hope that you continue to do it. I enjoy listening to you guys talk about games. And it's weird because in, like, the discourse about podcasts, you see people talk about, like, parasocial relationships a lot. Mm-hmm. And I am in the, like, really unique, privileged position <laughs> of... Having a parasocial relationship with people that I also have very normal social relationships with. <laughs> like, I get to, li- I listen to the podcast, like, at work when I can and stuff, and, like, it feels like I'm hanging out with you guys, which is, like, weird, because I also do hang out with you normally. Uh, I'm glad we can be the balm of that can allow you to get through your daily grind. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really, really, I like the podcast a lot, and I hope you keep doing it. Congratulations Janelle, on 100 episodes. Oh, thank, thank, thank you. you. Janelle, have Cheers. we changed your life in any material way? <laughs> um, and JJ, come back to the podcast. Yeah. I'll stop talking. Uh, hashtag JJ, come back to the podcast. Hashtag mm-hmm. fucking wear masks and start stop partying <laughs> three blocks away from my street so the governor has to close things yeah, down. Yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm not blaming you for that. It's a very back. straight line between me getting back to the podcast and the world getting better, so... It literally everyone listening to this can do their very small part to get me back onto the podcast. That's true. <laughs> do, do your part. Wear your mask. Wash anyway. your hands. Socially distance. Um, speaking about the podcast specifically, like I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I'm a bad friend. Burn. I don't. Well, I would never ever listen to a podcast that I'm on because I hate the sound of my own voice. And the self-loathing is deep. But I don't listen to podcasts because, as I think we've talked about a lot, I was kind of a a late bloomer with video games. And so most of the games you guys play, I'm like, well, I've never played this. I wouldn't probably know what they're talking about, whatever. But uh, I'm happy and proud that you guys had an idea, talked about it for a while, and didn't just kind of let it die. Like, there's a lot of things that people talk about doing, maybe one day, perhaps, sort of, if XYZ thing happens first, or maybe next year, or whatever, but, like, you guys actually talked about doing it. You started it, and you committed to it. And, um, I think that it's really cool, also, because when I'm thinking of longevity, like, this will be, even if you guys stop at 127 or 158 or 362 or whatever like that is a backlog of memories from a time in your life that will forever exist on splattershot.pro <laughs> <laughs> the elite corner of the internet because we will um, never drop that domain name no. <laughs> Never. Until and i can i can continue, continue to like text it's you worth guys all 30 dollars about... a year or whatever <laughs> I can continue to text you guys about some obscure thing you said five years ago. 
Yeah. <laughs> and we have to justify it. In some <laughs> right. I do. I want yeah, to. I... Uh... Oh, uh, sorry. I didn't. I you didn't want to interrupt Janelle? You want you want to yeah. cut me off? <laughs> I, Congratulations. I'm cutting off a separate cutoff if that's the case. No, no, it's fine. I, I said my piece. I'll yeah. toss it back to you. You regular boys, you regular regular boys with all of your hard work you put into it. I just come on here and get to talk about the cute villagers that I hang out with and yell at you about <laughs> your inexplicable to me love of the Souls games. So, yeah, I want to I want to spin off of a bit of what she said there. Um, Dark Souls. You want to talk Dark Souls? Kind of. The question is more. Janelle and other people that I've talked to have said that they will not listen to the podcast at times because they do not know the game that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is more or less a good enough time to address, I think, the fact that we don't cover the games that are like in the zeitgeist at the moment as a not necessarily as a rule, maybe as more of a coincidence or like an alignment of tastes, but We've done things in the past, like we talked about The Last of Us right after the Part 2 came out, and uh, we did the Tony Hawk thing before the Tony Hawk thing. We did Detective Pikachu the day before <laughs> the movie released. And uh, th- then is like the occasional touch into that, but that's never been the explicit goal of the podcast. And I want to ask just the people who are collected here, do you think it would be a thing to do to go into that or should we stay and why i have my own opinions on this obviously Uh, but well in my opinion like from i think from the beginning the idea of the podcast has always been a book club but with video games i feel like we have not expressed that well um it's part of the reason for the new uh like tagline yeah yeah it's why we're doing the new thing at the beginning but like and and we've actually like we have a Discord server. We've accrued some fans, and like shout out to you guys, cause like I never thought like we'd have people who would want to like consistently talk to us, right? You know, like even it's, that we don't know. It's like yeah. even it's like we're we are not popular at all, but we have like what like fifteen people who regularly post in the Discord, and that's like crazy to me. Mm-hmm. You know, We've never been it's like, and I don't know any of them. You know, it's just like, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> no, no one's ever yelled at us. Almost yeah. by virtue of the fact that we have a 15 person fan base <laughs> is like, we have an amazing community because yeah. of it. Like mm-hmm. a very tight knit yeah, for like, a reason. Yeah. Even though like, I feel like we've haven't like the podcast art is like a super casual idea. We never thought would grow into anything, but like, it seems like we do have some people that listen like consistently, uh, like, iTunes is really hard to get metrics on, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know exactly how many it is, but it's at least like a couple hundred views on a video or whatever, or on an upload. Right. And like, that's more than I ever expected. And like the fact that we have, like, as I said, like on the discord, we've accrued a fan base of people that care about what we say. Like it's, it is a kind of surreal, even though it's very small. And, uh, I don't know. It gives me a little bit of imposter syndrome, and then also on the on the other hand, it also kind of makes me feel like, well, how come the podcast doesn't grow, et cetera, et cetera? Like you know, you kind of go back and forth between like wanting it to do better and like being amazed that it does as well as it does. 
um, such is the nature of a small podcast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it the uh, I doubt he'll ever, ever, ever listen to this. But like, the podcast was like already worth it. But the thing that like put the seal on it for me was when Jack King Spooner fucking joined our discord server and talked to us yeah we covered an indie game called dujana and it was made by one guy mostly i think he may have had some other things you know collaborated with but whatever uh and he he somehow was aware of our episode listened to it joined our discord and talked to us about it and that's like fucking crazy so and I think that's an argument as good as any that I've heard for the other side to continue to cover things that nobody's ever heard of or seen before. Because the part of what I like to do personally is to kind of gather a collection of shit that is like unique to me. Where like I will come to somebody and say, and they'll be like, "Oh, what have you been playing?" They'll be like, "Oh, I play I play God of War," and I'm like, "Okay, but have you played?" thing and they'll be like what i've never heard of thing and i'll be like it's great (laughs) here's what it's about here's the game and like also you know when you're done with it you listen to us talk about it for an hour but i don't normally throw that last part in it's just sort of an implied thing uh and i like that like i like uh, the the idea of covering things that aren't super like the talk of the town and it's not interesting to say that i think that triple a games have become homogenized i think that is just that is a lame boring criticism that is true but it's <laughs> not like an argument that can really be be like substantiated so yeah but like my favorite year of the podcast is probably year three and like just bouncing off what you said okay. uh, and and i think it's because we because of our tastes, like the three of us have like a very like shared kind of middle ground in our tastes. And we picked a lot of in that year triple A games that were like experimental or different or took a chance. Like we talked about uh, Near Automata, we talked about Hellblade, we talked about Persona 5. Like we talked about a lot of games in that year that have really stuck with me. And, like, that's what I think about the podcast. That's what I like the most about it is that I've always liked video games. And the podcast gets me to play games that I wouldn't have normally played. It's like a book club, basically. That's what I keep coming back to. That's the element of the podcast I feel like we don't express enough or talk about enough. It's, like, it's about trying to, like spread your tastes and it's about the times where you like play a game that you really like but no one you know has played it so you can't talk about it and you feel frustrated that's been me with like xenoblade for like five years mm-hmm. but like and we your friends have done nothing the, to help exactly that. yeah but like in in the podcast is like an outlet it's supposed to be like an outlet for that at least in my mind and like you know like with the discord we've built up and like the that's like the golden ideal of the podcast for me. It's like we can build a community of people who play these games on the schedule with us that can talk about them in a way that like you couldn't in your normal life. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, 
Can other people aren't your friends aren't playing the games you can force the alignment that you yes. need yes productive friend <laughs> yeah, conversation. I, I think you guys force... should uh, i think you guys should continue to play whatever you want uh <laughs> like so, some of my favorite episodes are like like i love that atlas trauma center episode <laughs> um and like that you know that's that's not a game that was like yeah like dominating the gaming news cycle when you guys talked about it oh, but yeah, you I'm also talk about like already forgotten yeah, yeah like you talk i love the call of duty episode and like call of duty of course is like currently very relevant but not like the first call of duty um so like i the idea of i don't think you guys would really like sincerely consider doing this but just doing like whatever is the most talked about game like at the time that you record the next episode i think would be like kind of a boring like way to change up the format of the show i i think like the variety of the catalog that you guys have looked at is one of the things that i like a lot about the show Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree like like they've become popular uh since they came out but like two of my favorite games we've covered are near and persona which i just mentioned a couple 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 minutes ago Uh, but like those games have become like somewhat popular but like those are games i never would have played otherwise that I like really latched on to. Like I still listen to the Persona Five soundtrack and like I still like occasionally I will listen to the near one too. It's it's a little bit more like uh Somber. you have to be you have to be in the mood for it. Yes. But like I still listen to that one as well. Those games caught me off guard and like I heard about them and they were the kind of games where I'm like, oh, I'd kinda be interested in that. And like I had the podcast actually push me to play them. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't know, I guess a really big value I think. Like Grow like I, I I already said it, but like I always grew up playing games and liked them, but like I'd never really branched out and like played a bunch because like games were a big time investment, and I really like that the podcast enables me to do that. Like I feel like I've played twice as many games in my life, like already just doing like as much of the podcast as we have than. I- like I've probably played twice as many games in my life as I would have otherwise if we hadn't done the podcast. So I I really value that. I understand. I've been kind of obsessed with figuring out a way that I can trick you guys into agreeing to <laughs> to expand the horizons and boundaries of the podcast. I have been unsuccessful <laughs> no, so far. I mean, I'm into the idea. I used to be more stingy about it mm-hmm. because I felt like I wouldn't have anything interesting to say about certain kinds of games. But like, which is why we didn't do Halo until oh, no. when we did. I did not mean about different. Yeah, kinds I feel of like games. he was just leading no. into a joke. Oh, right? oh. <laughs> well, then never mind. <laughs> it's a half joke. A half I am joke, serious. Sorry. There are there have been many times, some serious, where I've attempted to want to do some weird wonky thing under the branding of the No Clip Podcast <laughs> that has been shut down, and we will see if history judges your decision lightly. But uh, as far as the next thing that. After, you know, COVID finally uh, descends back into the darkness and I can try and flourish again as my truest self, I I am curious how you guys would feel about bringing the Noclip podcast to the Hololive universe and having allowing me, once I rebuy my computer and get like the full VR kit, to be... <laughs> You're working so hard, Chad, to not interrupt you, man. I appreciate it so much because... I really do want to think, I think I can bring us a lot of success if I get it on the ground floor 
of this uh, VR anime women kind of the whole movement that's really going on on YouTube right now. <laughs> I think, I think this might be the moment that we were made for, and I'm willing to invest the hardware to get in there anyway. And I just wanted to bounce it off you guys because one way or the other, I'm getting the pucks and I'm getting the headset. I will have an index. I think what we yeah what we need to do is we need to corner the market before and also at, long after. Uh, <laughs> It becomes a thing where we, you put in a CD-ROM, and we appeared on your like on your desktop as just three cutouts of us when, holograms. When you order a box of Domino's pizza, yeah. and then put it down, mm -hmm. yeah, and good. we just sort of commentate on whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to, to work on that project. Okay, so I want to going to confirm you are saying now live on the internet that if and when I purchase all the necessary materials and stream myself in this environment you will put it under the no clip branding is this your is your explicit consent uh i i am Sorry, not legal's cutting in what uh... uh i'm an old man it is documented on the podcast many a time uh, -huh. uh i stopped uh being in touch with what the kids liked when i was in like the sixth grade uh but um the last thing that Andy remembers the kids like is dodgeball. <laughs> but uh, I am totally in favor of any of the three of us using the YouTube channel or whatever, the Twitch that we never use uh, to stream and do whatever. So I encourage this. Excellent. Even though I don't know what you're doing with anime women or whatever you said. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people spend a lot of, of time in their life trying to hide what it is they do with anime <laughs> women um, if you know what i'm saying the are you about to describe hollow life to andy no oh, i was going God. to i was going to br briskly move on to another topic okay uh i don't know i don't i like i don't necessarily know that we had all that much to say about the show like i feel like it is our works are self-evident uh, but I would like, <laughs> I do, I do want to know, uh, personally speaking, I feel like this has given me an outlet to sort of like practice and learn and become better at media criticism. And in addition to that, just like fucking sentence construction as a concept, the spoken word, like being able to actually piece together my thoughts in a way that is like that people can comprehend and make sense in a way. And then later on adding, like maybe I can also be entertaining while I do it. Uh, I feel like this, this podcast has helped me grow as a communicator a lot. Uh, in addition to my ability to like look at a piece of media and like understand exactly what it is that like I'm supposed to be taking from it or, or identifying even what it is that I am taking from it. Did anybody have a similar experience with this? Uh, 100% yes. Uh, that, that's a big, uh, topic to, to bite off a piece of, but like, yeah, I would agree. Like, I feel like I've always been someone that's like hated the sound of my voice. I know Daniel said earlier that he doesn't listen to the ones that he's on cause he hates the sound of his own voice. But like, that was me early days of the podcast. Like I never listened to the episodes because I didn't want to listen to myself. Uh, and I feel like 
I've both gotten used to the sound of my own voice and I've also just gotten better at articulating myself so it's not as awkward to listen to myself talk. Uh, so I also feel like it's helped me grow in like a public speaking sense or mm -hmm. like whatever, just the way that I speak, I stutter less, I say um and like less. I still do those things, but I just do them less and it's much more digestible to listen to. Um, and yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I, I really value that. Um, I, I, I never thought that like listening to myself talk would be something I'd ever be comfortable with. And now I am because I do it all the time. Good for you. Thank you. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> Always will be. Except when there's a, a pandemic, oh, yeah, then I won't be here, but I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, oh, and the other thing, I forgot what the other aspect was. Also, I appreciate what you said, JJ. Okay. Uh, I'm not glossing over it, but um, media criticism mm -hmm. and like games criticism. Like I, I digest a lot of video game criticism, like media, myself, and I feel like the podcast is gonna be like an outlet to like apply that. Um, especially like uh, once JJ left, I felt like I had to pick up my own slack on the podcast a lot. So I started taking notes more, especially for pocket. Cause I took mm -hmm. pocket super like way too casually at first. And I feel like the cup first couple episodes are terrible because of it. Uh, it, it I, I feel like I've really kind of culminated like a sense of like my understanding of media and how to express my thoughts on it in a way that, I really value as well because of the podcast. Right. Yeah. Anything? Be prepared. When I return, that's it the will... motto of the voice. <laughs> <laughs> when I return, it will not be subtle, and you will know. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Like, let's hashtag bring JJ back. Yeah. All fifteen people on the Discord. Tweet that. Tweet that at no one <laughs> jj as far as i'm aware does not have a public facing twitter account also, I, have, I have one it has exactly i think three tweets ever uh one of them is uh a nubs in the tubs joke that i made in splatoon and posted publicly <laughs> uh uh posted hashtag neoliberalism of course uh-huh uh and then two of them are conversations <laughs> with a with someone who we used to be uh, a member of, I think, the West Virginia legislature who is now convicted of sex crimes. <laughs> uh, and that is, I think, the totality of everything I've done on Twitter. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, one that other thing. That in a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. That's some quality uh, are, Twitter content. Uh, anything from you guys? Want to jump in and say anything? I, I don't know. You were kind of the one that suggested doing this at the beginning i don't know if there was anything you wanted to 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 mention no i i uh, i ask get, I, get really i, I didn't heads. <laughs> no i just wanted to make sure that we would set aside some time to reflect on 100 episodes of no clip uh and we have done that so thank you for indulging uh me especially ha having me on as a guest more than once because i also feel like uh I don't do this as much as you guys, uh, obviously, but I I feel like I have improved uh, in what I bring to the table when I come on. And uh, like some of the earlier episodes, uh, I kind of feel similarly to you guys that um, like maybe what I brought was like 
not the best. So thanks for bringing me back. Yeah, I'll, I'll be even better. I'll be even better next time. I'll go ahead and yeah. just follow that up with uh, thanks for bringing me, me back as well. I know my first appearance on the Raspo episode was kind of a, a goof. An all timer. Uh, it was a it was an all time <laughs> goof, but uh, that was the first time I had like done any actual media criticism ever and been asked my like to articulate an opinion on a thing, um, and so that was an interesting experience and I appreciated it. I thought it was cool to be on a podcast. Uh, and then from like there to now, uh, I think stuff like our book club has been huge for me, like learning how to articulate my thoughts on something and give that criticism. And also, I think when I was on that first episode, I didn't really even listen to podcasts myself. Uh, and so I didn't really have that sense of what it even sounds like to listen to people discuss uh, a piece of media. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm glad if that, that episode totally didn't suck because I was on it. But uh, so I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate being brought back uh, for for another round. And you know, obviously at this point, you know that I'm I have a lot to say about everything. So I'm always willing to share those thoughts. Um, yeah, and and I know, you know, I I, I haven't listened to. I would say I've listened to more episodes of Noclip than Janelle, but less than Daniel. So I'm in that in that <laughs> middle ground. Uh, Seems reasonable. Reasonable. Somewhere between zero and one hundred. So, yeah, between zero and all of them. <laughs> Very but, safe. Yeah, I, I. It definitely was. There was a time when we weren't talking to each other as much as we do now. When I would go like. Okay, if they were like, you know, if we weren't playing D and D or didn't have any other specific thing, it would be several months in between, like group conversations like this, and that's when uh, I was, you know, living alone here in Florida and would put on an episode of No Clip on YouTube while I was playing video games by myself. And like Daniel said, like it feels like you're hanging out with everybody, and so I definitely appreciated that at times uh, in my life. So, so it's been a. It's been a cool way to keep in touch, even if we're not actually talking. <laughs> we're always here to speak. Yeah. And it does sound like how podcasts tend to be. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we could continue doing this. I'm glad that we've been doing this, and I will be happy to continue doing this at least for one more episode. Because, <laughs> I mean, replaying Amnesia has given me a big old Amnesia appreciation <laughs> saved it uh, <laughs> uh shit goodbye thank you smash the like button here's to 100 more episodes here's to 100 more let's clink some glasses together and make it oh act. no i finished all the drinks yeah everybody right. don't worry it, woo, woo, okay, yeah. okay that works yeah, that's good fine all right yes. we will never stop there it is there it is <laughs> But no, seriously though, Chad, Chad, <laughs> cut it, cut his mic. Chad was insincere. Uh, thanks to everybody, it means a lot to everybody who's in the Discord. It a lot to you guys, especially coming on, supporting us, talking to us about the podcast, uh, showing interest in it. Uh, it. I know when we started, I never thought anyone would give one fuck about it. So right. everything means a lot. Everything does mean a lot. But you could be doing more. <laughs> yeah, we could be better, though. I apologize. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. Fuck me, <laughs>